for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. It's episode 100, y'all, and let me tell you what, if you're looking for elk hunting advice, look no further. Pull up a chair and get ready for tons of info and one heck of a full house tonight. And guys and gals, this is one episode you just might want to watch on YouTube. All, and I mean all of the elk bros are here. The Pennsylvania cat killer himself is in the house. Our two grinders that won join the elk bros competition. They're in the house, and it doesn't stop there. Some of our elk bros friends that live and breathe elk hunting are jumping in to give you some of their best advice, too. Paul Medell with the Elk Nut, the Jim Huntsman from the Western Huntsman, Trent Fisher from Born and Raised Outdoors, Dirk Durham, the Bugler, the Nada Grande Boys, Kyle and Rodney, Chad Riker from Backcountry Rookies, Michael Batiste from the Elk Calling Academy, Guy DePlantier from Western Contours, and Chris Rowe from Rowe Resources, and Trevin Stoltzfus from Outback Outdoors. Oh, and to kick off our 100th episode, get ready, y'all. It's the bone collector himself, Michael Waddell. Yeah, buddy. Take it away, Waddy. Quick shout out to Joe and all the guys at Elkbro, and congratulations on the 100th podcast and episode. It's awesome. And uh, one thing I've always liked about Elk Bros is they're blue collar guys and their experiences. They just kind of give advice based on their experiences. And so what I do like about the fact is they're not saying they know everything. It's just this is what I know based on my experience. So I very much respect that. So congratulations. And if they did come in and say they knew it all and trying to give you elk advice, then I would say they're lying too because that's the reason we listen to podcasts. That's the reason we watch videos. That's the reason we try to learn from experiences and take a lot of different advice from different people is because we're always trying to better ourselves. Just like an elk like this, you want to learn to kill them. And this elk right here is proof that sometimes I still don't know it all and don't know the difference between an elk and a moose. But in this case, this is the nicest elk I've ever shot right here. Got him in the Yukon. He comes screaming in. 
He didn't bugle, he grunted. That's why I still watch Elk Podcast, because I need to learn. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by ElkGrows.com, with your host, Gilbert Ornelas, and elk hunting coach, Joe Gillian. You want to hunt elk? They live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons, doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. Grinder Mike Wilson in Ogden, Utah, located at the foot of the Wasatch Mountains and home to world-class outdoor recreation. This is a shout-out from Jared Politz in Lafayette, Louisiana, well-known for his crawfish and Cajun cuisine and maybe a few dedicated elk hunters. Good luck to everybody next season chasing the wild with Petey. This is Eric Aragon in Las Cruces, New Mexico, the red and green chili capital of the world. Hey, congratulations on your 100th episode. We'll see you boys on the next ridge. What's up, y'all? This is the Flylander, Cole Wilkes from Bertram, Texas. Happy 100th episode, Elk Bros. I can't wait for episode 200. Keep up the awesome work. Hello there, everyone. Welcome, everybody, to the 100th episode of the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Show. Hope you enjoy our show tonight. And for those blue collar hunters following our show and grinding it out with us every week, welcome back to Elk Camp. I'm Gilbert Ornelas, the host of your show from Spring, Texas, and from Katy, Texas. Yes, sir, the one and only Luis Gonzalez, and from the Dallas DFW area, Manano Graterone and from Cimarron, your elk hunting coaches tonight, Leroy the Ninja Chavez, and WWJGD, what would Joe Gillia do in the house? And making the crew complete. The Pennsylvania cat killer himself, Brendan Houlihan. What's up, <laughs> Brendan? What's up, buddy? Welcome hey, aboard. What's going on? Hey, great to be here, guys. Uh, it's been a long time. Glad to have you with us, baby. How long does it seem since El Camp, man? It seems forever. I know it's only been a couple months, but it, I'm ready to get back. You know, we need to oh, cycle this through. So the only thing is, Brendan, I had to mention this, man. We just had our video that just came out, uh, Blue Collar Strong, the first one, man. And and I'm getting emails already from these different companies that want you to model their uh, their their long johns, bro. Man, they were like, oh, jeez, <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, buddy. <laughs> oh God, here we go. Yeah, I've got all kinds of emails now for paint blankets and everything, man. I mean, everybody's wanting my paint, paint blanket, man. And everybody that snores, y'all got a chance. Look at my nano. He killed me. What about a pharmaceutical company? Well, what are you talking about, Beto? He he didn't snore. Yeah. You know, he's like, you know, Brendan, Brendan, did I snore? Yeah. <laughs> that was amazing. It's straight we have a great food, opportunity man. with the pharmaceutical company, Joe. <laughs> Big yeah. pharma in the house. <laughs> and you know, and, and and Brendan had he had that bruised nose going on too. And, yeah, and yeah no, the whole time keeping that yeah. up, man. You know, 
You can only cover so much ugly, Brendan. Come on. <laughs> Wait, bro. You thought this was going to be a welcome to the I see. Everybody you better have some thick skin. Uh, yeah. Hey, man, that, that nose strip kind of helped me out right there at altitude. I woke up one day, forgot to take it off, and I was like, man, I can actually breathe today. I might try this again tomorrow. That's just because you were hunting with me, son. <laughs> you could breathe because I'm slow as hell anyway. <laughs> Those first couple not, days were a nice acclimation period. <laughs> it was not coming off. That's all I know, man. It's really great to have you here, Brendan, man. Uh, uh, now, the rules of the group is, but if you don't jump in, <laughs> yeah, you last. Yeah, yeah, you ain't first, you last. Happen, man. So, yeah, gotcha. just jump it's on straight in. up Ricky Bobby on the show tonight. Hey, so before we move on to the rest of the show, guys, I need to do a couple of housekeeping items for all of our listeners out there, guys. Again, so cool that you are with us on our 100th episode. And, boys, like we know, we've already gone past 200,000 downloads, right? Okay. So tonight concludes season two of our show, and season three, everybody, will resume in the second week of January. The Elk Bros will be going on a on a little, uh, we're kind of diving off a little bit during the holidays, and we'll be back with season three went, uh, in that second week of January. And tonight, though, we want to announce some of the changes that you can expect in 2021. Now, you know that right now, or maybe you don't know, but we produce two types of shows. One is our regular coaching edition that you're seeing right now in which you get all the bros together to get our content. And uh, our second show that we do is our insights edition. That's where we interview somebody one-on-one from all walks of life about all things elk. So that's not going to change. Both those additions will still be in our lineup, but every now and then what's going to be cool is we're excited to be throwing out another chair, and we've had requests from, I don't know why, y'all. I don't know why they would do this to themselves, (laughs) but they wanted to come in, and we have a guest come in and join the crew. So, uh Man, you talk about gluttons for punishment. Yeah, really? <laughs> <laughs> Brandon goes, that's a fact, man. <laughs> Brandon's thought, I thought I was going to come on here and be welcome, man. <laughs> <laughs> they've, been, they've been hacking on me since I got on. Yeah. <laughs> Mike and Ken, watch out. You're next, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so that's going to be uh, that little bit of a change on there, but. We're proud to announce some new programming. First up, within our Blue Collar Elk Hunting lineup, we are going to introduce what we call the moment. And these are episodes where myself or one of the other coaches will take you along with a story from one of our hunts or one of their hunts or a segment within that hunt that we have learning moments that occur. So these are not going to be real long Uh, episodes, but they're going to be episodes that you can get something out of. We're going to take you on our back. We're going to let you look over our shoulder, and we're going to tell you about those and and tell you about the learning moments that we get out of those. So we're real excited about adding that into our lineup. And I am really, really proud to put this out there that we have – 
you guys remember how um you, know, you guys used to watch uh what was the name of that show with the fawns what was the name of that show with the happy uh, days happy, happy days. days there you go happy right days. do you remember happy all days. the shows that came off of happy days but oh my gosh laverne and shirley laverne and, and shirley yeah 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 fawns. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in fact i think robin williams show what was that nanu yeah. Nan, that came off mork of mork and mindy mork and mindy right well we have our own Mork and Mindy in the house. They no doubt, boys. They no doubt. So, so which one's Mindy right now? Uh, we are proud to it. Which one's Mindy? We're, they're going to be battling that out, man. They're going to figure it out. We are proud to announce that our Venezuelan Mafia boys will be producing their own podcast. And it is it is aimed and made for the spanish-speaking audience and uh i i tell you so proud oh i am just so proud that that's happening that doesn't mean they're not going to be with the bros they are the bros in fact um the their their branch is is vm hunters right okay swollen mafia hunters VM Hunters, man. So they they will be doing their stuff for that side of it, bringing what we do to an audience that never gets it in the way that we present it. And and it's so cool because, you know, they get to give back to folks that uh, they connect to in a way that we never could. And we've got a lot of Spanish-speaking audience here in our country and Europe and different places and I am just excited that we get to bring them our flavor of Elk Bros and you two guys because it, it's going to be phenomenal man I'm, I'm so excited for you guys thank you brother and, uh, go ahead uh, Manano yeah I'm the leader uh, <laughs> so uh, now I'm going to have the opportunity to go to Spanish so Luis, I mean, he won't have a chance. <laughs> <laughs> had to. We had to go in Spanish because obviously um, Manano couldn't keep up with the uh, English. <laughs> That's so uh, we had to. We had to look for a solution. But, but uh, no. Look, I'm, uh, I'm telling you, these guys hunt with such passion, and they have such passion for what they do. I knew when, and I'm not. I'm not pounding my chest a little, but I knew when we coined the phrase, the Venezuelan mafia, that this was something that was going to just roll. And all I needed to do was push it down that snowbank, and here we go. And uh, I'm telling you, I'm so proud of these two guys. They're the hardest working dudes in our camp. Uh, they they come ready to you know, ready to throw down at any minute. Uh, these two guys are my brothers and I ride the river with them as long as I got 98.6 and a breath in my body. I'm riding the river with these two guys. And I think all of our bros that are here tonight will tell you the same thing. And we couldn't be more honored than to have these boys on the mic themselves with, you know, people of Latin that speak, uh, you know, the Spanish speaking language. And I'm telling you, it's going to be awesome. It's really driven me to get on a, you know, uh, maybe some some more training for me to actually make a cameo on one of their shows and speak Spanish with them. So I got to brush up a little bit. Me too. Oh man, it's uh, getting emotional here, guys, and uh, appreciate the support. And uh, I I just want to ask the audience to kind of bear with us a little bit as we get started because uh, the work that Joe does. Um, it's incredible, and there's a lot for us to learn, a lot of uh, wood to cut there, and we need to 
you know, uh, learn on the, on the editing, learn on the podcasting and, and on all that stuff. So it's a, it's a road up uphill, but that's why we train. So, uh, and, and we couldn't be more blessed to have Joe and, and, and Gilbert and all the elk bros and chaff. And, uh, so I, I can't wait to embark on this, uh, beautiful adventure with my brother Monano and, uh, lead him along the way. <laughs> Boy, it's going viral too folks it hit instagram today y'all better y'all better look out man so if i'm not mistaken brother we got two of our grinders here on with us tonight absolutely man this is this is awesome we have such a full house uh we got a full crew and before i introduce those grinders i want to first take this chance to Thank each and every one of you guys that sent your stories into us because you don't know how tough it was for us. Um, it even came down to having to do some tie-breaking votes on that. Yeah. So there were so many cool stories. And look, those stories aren't going to end, man. We're going to be talking about some of those letters in future shows because there's just some stuff that – needs to be talked about yeah, and if your if your letter didn't get viewed on our show it wasn't me manano or luis it was joe that picked it so sorry guys <laughs> <laughs> he had the veto <laughs> so, so you heard him just mention those three so chab you got my back right you, like, <laughs> yeah we got it <laughs> yeah and so we are going to be featuring some of those on future shows and um, those letters are going to be showing up on our website at different times um, in the new year under the heading of an elk hunter story. And so you guys that sent in those, um, I will be emailing each of you and asking if you could send me some photos of you and the moments along your journey. Okay. Um, Joe, some and, of those guys are like professional writers, man. I mean, yeah. it was crazy <laughs> some of their stories, cool stories they sent us in, man. Oh. I'm like, wow. I mean, good. Talk about yes. getting you in, getting you in the, in the story, yeah, you know. Exactly. Kind of, I, there were some of them I would read and feel Vitulakis. <laughs> Hair stand up on the back of my neck and stuff, boy. And, and I want me. you to know that um, – Guys that uh, sent those in, we have something special for every person that submitted an entry to join us. Each and every one of you are going to receive a one-year subscription to our Blue Collar Elk Hunting Academy Base Camp Training wow, Camp. And and I checked, and I believe, and this bothers me too. All those guys that send letters, most of those guys aren't don't have our base camp, man. Right. <laughs> 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 but that's getting they ready. Do now, Joe. They, they do now. And if you do already have it, um, then give me a name and an email address, and I will gift it to the person of your choice. Because our whole goal is to educate, to inspire, and to put people out. Out there in the elk woods um, creating some incredible memories like we've had in our life so with that said um, our first grinder that we're going to have up is he's going to get a chance to introduce himself he's going to get a chance to get initiated by the group <laughs> and and, uh, and, I, and I gotta tell you um, when we received his letter it wasn't his letter Luis was it no uh, oh. <laughs> it was his wife his wife. Mommy sent it in. That was the coolest thing, Joe. I mean, when I read that letter, I was like, we have to make Definitely. this happen. You know, this yep. is uh, 
this is way cool. The wife understanding, you know, what uh, her husband really liked and how he enjoyed watching or listening to the show and, and just kind of pitching in, hey, you know, my husband, I know he would love this and I would love this as a prize for him. In fact, so. she was traveling with him across the right. United That's States. right. At the time right. that she sent that email in and she and, said he uh, never would do it himself but i got to i got to try you know? <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, go ahead on, honey so everybody grinder ken sutton how are you ken welcome ken uh, thanks welcome, guys, guys. Ah, great to be with you thank you very much so awesome yeah man. so uh actually from maryland uh Kittiesville, maryland so it was a long trip to uh to colorado for the hunt and yeah, my wife rode with me the whole way out. And That's of course, we're listening to the show. We left on a Tuesday, right after the show aired, and uh, that that was our our uh, uh, listening of choice on the way out. So, so little what a I smart know, choice that was! Yeah. That was. Yeah. So much appreciate so your support, I, I say, <laughs> So I much was wisdom. the one that made that choice anyway. <laughs> <laughs> while while she was trying to help me out by writing in, I think she was just looking for someone else for me to talk to. Uh, I think she was tired of it at that point. <laughs> so we got them too around here. You know, I, I love the way um uh the letter started out because it was basically and this isn't word for word, but it's basically like um my husband is a huge fan. I'm not, but he yeah, is. Straight up, I ain't. But oh, man, he is. I love the sincerity. You know, I'm, I'm working on it, man. I'm working yeah, on it. That was awesome. <laughs> for sure. I was like, I, I think I emailed back, like, say what? Yeah. <laughs> Do what? Yeah, I was amazed you actually had me on after that. <laughs> no, we we thought that was so cool. I mean, not only. Uh, because she was traveling across the United States to go on a hunt with you, man. I mean, that mm -hmm. was, and and uh, you know, you could tell, you could tell from her email that you drove her nuts listening to all of our stuff. <laughs> well, that wasn't well, the first time she listened to out it. There for yeah. sure. <laughs> and we got a bunch of episodes, man. I mean, you know, it's our one hundred. So you start back at number one, you can burn up some hours, baby. <laughs> then when we got his letter. I'm like putting two and two, Sutton, Sutton. That yeah. sounds familiar. Wait a minute. Wait, what's going on here? It's like, oh, okay. Now we had to put two and two together. And it's like, oh, there you go. Looking back so. at it, I wish I would have known so I didn't write that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, cuz. Well, it, it made it a lot of fun because when I got to tell Ken that um, that he had won the competition, um, I, I I sent him a letter basically saying that uh, your letter, I, I'm, I'm afraid I have to tell you that your letter did not um, win the competition. Uh, that's how I started out in the first paragraph. And, and then I, then I said, but your wife's did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lucky you. It, it took me a little bit to figure that out when I was looking at it. And I kind of skimmed over it. It's like, well, at the bottom, it says I won. I'm, I'm not sure what's going on. And I looked, and it's like, oh, my wife wrote a, <laughs> wrote a letter. Yeah. So that's oh, awesome. That was way cool. As a matter of really fact, awesome. I, had, I had talked to Joe, and I was hoping 
to that. It would have been um, done as a surprise, meaning that, you know, you would have been logging into a Zoom computer or a Zoom meeting thinking it was something else. And all of a sudden it was a surprise, but logistically it was kind of complicated to do. And yeah. you, you've already seen why. <laughs> yeah yeah no it was that was just doggone awesome man and so you guys traveled out from maryland to colorado for an elk hunt and uh um wow man first elk hunt? yeah this is my first elk hunt uh been wanting to do it for 32 years now well over that been dreaming about it and finally got to the point where you know what it's 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 time to do it uh didn't really have anyone to go with, so she said she was going to go along. She actually had some friends that live in Colorado, so the plan was she was going to go see them for part of the trip, but it ended up snowing 10 inches yeah. on Sunday, so she yeah, she was there for the whole time. She ended up being with me the whole time, and it was a lot of fun. It, it was an experience we'll never forget, that's for sure. That's cool, man. What, yeah, what, triggered, awesome. what triggered the, the now? Uh, I had a – last year, I, I – I had some stuff going on at work that I, I, I couldn't hunt a whole lot. So I was kind of aggravated that, that I didn't get to go. And when that was over, I think at that point it was, it was, it's time, time for me it. to go do this. Yeah. yeah. But after 38 years, what, what <clears throat> switch on that? We ain't getting no younger, Joe. It, it, that's exactly right. Gilbert. <laughs> <laughs> this is exactly a young man's right. game, son. <laughs> <laughs> I had a hard enough time with it at 50. I had <laughs> no doubt, bro. I'm in the same boat. Son. <laughs> Round is a shape, Gilbert. <laughs> yeah, I say it all the time. Round is a shape. I resemble <laughs> that remark. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> We gotta remember oh. that Gilbert, that Gilbert uh, took math too, and he understands circles now. You dang skippy, I do. <laughs> yeah, I heard that. <laughs> dang skippy, I do. Joe, Joe likes way? to Joe likes to ha- pull what, pranks what's that, on you. What's that, Jeff? That was awesome. Did you drive all the way, or did you fly part of the way, or? No, we we drove the whole way. We left Tuesday night. We we arrived in uh, Craig, Colorado, Thursday afternoon. So wow. We wow. Drove back to camp Friday morning. Yeah. How many hours was that? Oh boy, I think it was twenty-seven altogether. Wow. No wonder so. she's not a fan. If you listen to Elk Probably I had to give in on some of that. We didn't listen to it the whole way out. So. <laughs> it's only fifteen shows, Joe. Come on now. <laughs> yeah, we started with one. <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell me, how was the experience? Oh, I'll never forget it. It was fantastic. Uh, from the trip out, I really, I, I've flown over that area many times, but but never actually drove through it to see it. Uh, the the hunt was the hunt was uh, I I went with an outfitter. It was a DIY hunt, so I, I actually hunted on myself. They they basically provided food and, and a place for me to stay. Uh-huh. Uh, it was a struggle uh, as far as my fitness. That that was probably the biggest my biggest. Uh, Biggest hurdle. hurdle yeah exactly yeah and uh i i know better for next time I, mm-hmm. I i don't think even even hearing you guys talk about it i don't think you really can realize how difficult it is until you do it I mean, right. absolutely so, yeah, yeah. so you know I, I the plan is to go again next year so i'm gonna have to start on that and uh but as, as far as the hunt goes it was it was fantastic uh you know i'd 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 make the trek up about a thousand feet and three quarters of a mile every day. Uh, I, I did see, I, I, I didn't get an elk, unfortunately, but I uh, had a great time. I did see some elk, which was good. Uh, yeah. So I, I, you know, you, you talk about the WW 
JGD yes, on sir. my way down the mountain. That's what I'm saying in the back of my mind when I seen these elk. It was right before dark. Yep. So I'm walking down the mountain thinking, okay, what, what would Joe do here? How, how am ah. I going to set up on these things the next day? <laughs> exactly. He'd take, so, a, he'd take a nap in the woods is what he'd do. <laughs> no, I, I did go down for the night. <laughs> yeah, camp on it's, so uh, I, I, I tried to set up on them the next night and unfortunately uh, couldn't hook up with them again. As far as I could tell, they were they were all cows. So I, I, I only I had a, a bull only tag, so I wouldn't okay. be able to take them anyway. But just the fact that I seen some elk was exciting and, Heck yeah. and you know, it was a great trip. Yeah. It really was. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Well, congrats for doing that. It's, yeah, it's uh, especially you. a DIY. I mean, first time just uh, driving the distance. I mean, talk about true grinding heart right there that's uh pretty admirable brother Congrats. i'm hooked now i mean it's it's to the point where yeah i'm already I'm ready to go next year you know yeah. counting the days already and if me you don't too. mind me asking how old are you ken i'm 50 so 50. It, yeah yeah so kind of regret not starting it sooner but you know what yeah, uh, here, here's where i'm at i'm gonna i'm gonna go from here and, and do what the i best can best out of it from now yeah well, that's right you got a lot of good elk hunting years ahead of you yeah yeah, yeah. amen <laughs> Absolutely, man. And since you just heard the voice of our no. next writer in here, the next one in the house. It's a great um, segue. You, this guy, man, is a legend in his own mind, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's just his own mind, but in mine too, brother. Oh, absolutely. You know, when when I read letters um, uh, about you – um, and, and saw the things that you did, it just, um, you had everything, you had it together, man. I mean, uh, the philosophy, the idealism, the actual, um, way that you practice things and your want to make not only memories for yourself, you are happy with putting meat in the freezer and creating memories for people around you. And that I think struck our soul. Um, (laughs) And, you know, you you have a lot of experience in the elk woods already. You, there's a lot of things that you know about these critters and understand. Um, And it's always a learning thing, but you know, I, I just want to tell you, it's it's who you are, your value system, your um. You you just really struck an elk bro's nerve with everything that uh, that you had in in your letter, and and it was genuine, man. And um, just to see the excitement of those of your uh, family members that had gotten animals and and goal complete doing that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was huge. So everybody, let me introduce Mike Bozarth. Mike, will you tell everybody about yourself and where you're from? Welcome, Mike. Well, I am Mike, obviously, and I am from Payette (laughs) in beautiful Idaho. And uh, I haven't always lived here, but uh, my wife and I, we decided, you know, we just love it here. And I've been paying non-resident tags forever, so I may as well move here. <laughs> I know the you feeling. Know. Getting, getting your priorities right. That's right. Thank you. Yeah. Well, yeah, I I, uh, I really, really appreciate uh, I, I love this show. I'm an adult onset podcast listener, you know. I really haven't, and Elk Hunter, and, I, you know, I, I, uh, I started listening to this show. It actually – was listening to another podcast and in fact uh he's on he's on one of the guests tonight on one of the segments and 
Joe was on there and I said, well, I got to check that podcast out. And, uh, here I am, man. I listened to you guys and said, oh, yeah. yeah I, awesome. I only have one problem, though, Mike, is you, you said that, you know, you're an adult onset. Thing. Look, this is a family show. We don't do those adult things. Speak <laughs> <laughs> yeah. for yourself, to be, Joe. Uh, I was trying to be politically correct. Unless we go unleash with Beto. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> Mr. Bozark, what do you do for a living, brother? Uh, I work in a gold mine in Nevada. Oh, man, that's oh, awesome. cool. Uh, I do. Straight gold. Yeah. Cool. I've been, I've been doing that for. I, I don't um, think I've ever heard those words come out of anybody's mouth ever in my life. That, that's <laughs> first time for me, Joe. I mean, look, I, I gold mine a bunch of miners. Yeah. Uh, and, and as far I say miners, you know, we did a lot of when I worked for Smith Bits, we built a lot of hammer bits that were in the mining industry and stuff. But um, not, I hadn't had a gold guy, you know, a guy <laughs> working in the gold. Way cool, Mike. Gold. When I first started mining, we used Smith Gruner bits. Yeah. I worked All for right. Smith. Yeah. There you go. Worked for yeah. I met Betsy. I worked for Smith. It's from him. Yeah, I, I worked. I met Luis in North Dakota on a drilling rig, uh, delivering drill bits yeah. too. So yeah, yeah, I actually started off on a converted service rig for uh, geothermal. Oh man, that's cool. I forget oh, that's man. the geothermal country up there. So when you say you're adult onset, how what how old are you, Mike? I am sixty one. You're sixty one. Oh yeah. man. Uh, well. So I'm 58. You look younger than Monano, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait a second, man. I'm I'm 50. I just turned 59, right? Yeah. Big dang, sure did, dude. Yeah. And Chav, Chav's going to be turning 59 and 69 here. 69 right in February. Yep. That's right. So, See? Yeah. I got a lot of years of elk hunting ahead of me. Yeah. Heck yeah, man. You do. Absolutely. Mike, quick comment, man. I just want to say when I, when I write your story, um, you know, I was thinking true grinder, check, dedication, check, <laughs> perseverance, check, making lem- lemonades out of lemons, check, you know, right values and principles of a hunter, check, you know, building memories, check. So it just, I, your story is freaking awesome. And, and it, you can make a movie out of it, man. So uh, <laughs> really what cool, you guys, man. yeah, I mean, what, what you guys did this season uh, it was um, unbelievable. So it was a great cool. season. Yes. So give us, give everybody, because everybody out there is going, well, how great was? It? Give us a little synopsis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got one minute, Mike. Let's go. A, a synopsis. <laughs> <laughs> of this season? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, see, so we started out. Uh, uh, elk season in Idaho opens up August thirtieth. Um, I this year, my son and I had different tags in different elk zones. So in different parts of the state, couldn't get our tags together. So um, he was coming up at a later date. Um, I put a lot of uh, preseason scouting in, the, in in this year and tried to. I wanted to. I wanted to put some milk in the freezer, some meat in the freezer, and hopefully, uh, my main goal was was trying to get my son an elk and my wife her first deer with with her bow um, this year. And that really was my goal. So my part of it was I, I kind of put myself on this little time thing. He says, "Well, if I can get it done in this amount of time, I'll take whatever I can get." And so I was I was lucky. I switched up my. I've never sat in the ground blind before, or done any of that kind of stuff. I found a place where the cows seemed to hang out a lot. I just took a chance, went up there the first day, and there was you know nothing on the cameras, nothing there. I said, "Okay." So I. I did what I called the the uh, 
what was that the short the <laughs> can't remember what it is now but uh basically most of the hunters weren't there yet so i i went to all the places that you know usually are, are all full of hunters and stuff so high traffic areas yeah high traffic areas so you know i shuffled around drainage to drainage to drainage I had a little hiccup there. My, all my camp got stolen one night, oh, man. and and uh, but just kept just kept going. I decided, well, you know what? I'm going to go back to that spot. I went back to that spot one morning, and there was I had like five thousand pictures of elk on my cameras. I said, well, this is probably the place to sit. So I so yeah so and so I did, and 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 you could hear them all around. They were there. They were everywhere, and and it was so cool because the 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 elk were talking up the hill and then the bull started bugling and pretty soon they were fighting off to my side and you know but i told i had had i killed a bull the year before up on that same mountain but he was like 1300 feet above that and i had a heck of a time getting him out by myself um it took me three days and you know i was worried about the meat and all that and so especially that early yeah yeah it, and and this year was really hot this year yeah. was i yeah. mean it was 90 something degrees in the daytime and yeah and so that was all that was going along those cows came in and i said you know what i told myself i'm just gonna you know shoot the first legal elk and so i shot a cow right there i had to sleep on it overnight before i could find her and uh got up the next day found her started packing and packed her out and then uh had to go back to work for four days and then my son then my son was up after that we went up to another part of idaho and we got in there and uh, i took her back into a place that i had been that i had killed a uh, elk in there in 2017 he had been he had glassed up some elk on private so we just ended up i went to this place and i said i bet you there's elk up here and so i just did some cold calling and after a while i got one chuckle out of a bull and that's all it took. So I just we just sat there and played him all day. In fact, we went that back downhill, took a nap because the wind was bad. Went back up there and played it again. Played the old, uh, you know, bull with a cow routine. You know, uh -huh. just kind of breaking. Put on and, a little show there, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I just created the whole scenario, you know. And and I I could see my son up there in front of me. All of a sudden, his head picks up and he's looking, and then he looks to his left, and uh, I I didn't get to see the bull come in, but. I saw him draw and shoot, and that was wow. like so amazing. And so, yeah, he 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 ended up killing a, a nice six by seven. Oh man! If you got wild. to call ah. in for your boy, Adam, I got to call in for my boy. That was so amazing. Um, my, you know, it just worked absolutely perfect. How old is he? He, uh, I think he's thirty-four. Oh, cool! Pretty cool. So that was his first elk, and oh, uh, so I awesome couldn't have, I couldn't have been happier, you know, and. It was, I couldn't have been happier about the pack out too because it was we both got it out in two trips. <laughs> Super cool, man. Well, it's, it's, I'm, I'm going to take Mike. I'm going to step you back just a second because you know I, I talked about the new uh, segment that we're going to put out on our show <laughs> called the moment, and you know you had one right there, and yeah. you know I hope a lot of people caught that that you know you had a bull that you were working that chuckled up on the top. You did not call or engage at that bull no you 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 put on a show um you actually you're just lucky you bull. wasn't hunting with joe 
<laughs> and, and you know, but I think that's so critical. Most people think that they have to scream at an animal to bring them in. And what you did just the opposite. You put up the hand, basically said, no, this isn't about you. This is about a bull and a cow. We're over here having our thing happening over here. And, uh, and we're just as happy as can be. And that, that pulled that bull right down, man. He was coming down to see and Oh, what, yeah. what? And the yeah. wisdom of understanding the wind and deciding yes. to take a break until Big things deal. change to their favor. Yep. So, yeah. Incredibly I, well done, man. I, I didn't engage that bull personally himself once. I didn't yep. let out a regular bugle, any of that stuff. I just, he chuckled. The only only thing we heard out of him all day was one chuckle. Yep. And that and was I hope, it. I hope our listeners all you needed, are hearing though, you this. Knew he was there. I, I hope they're really hearing this. And I want you to understand what he just said. Because it can be confusing. He said, I did not engage at that bull once. And what he means by that was there was no challenge bugle. There was no um, bugle going out at that animal trying to convince him to come down. He put on a scenario of a bull, maybe in a breeding sequence, that has a cow introduced and has a bull making bull noises that they do about that time, you know, when they're in that situation. And that in itself, when other elk hear that, they understand what that means. So even though that was his target bull, he did not engage it. He created his own party, and it brought that bull into him. So excellent Very job. Cool. Excellent yeah, job, bud. Yeah, Straight up high-level stuff right there, Mr. Yeah, yeah, and, and then And then you got to working on getting your wife tagged out? Yeah. yeah. We, yeah uh, we took that bull to the taxidermist, came back. The next weekend up was my wife. Sorry about my dogs. That's all right. All right Keep bro. going, man. Was <laughs> <laughs> was my we wife and Brendan's and, in the house, man. We got oh, he's got cat. Oh, got a cat. <laughs> oh, right on. <laughs> yeah, and actually, actually, uh, after we took my my son's bull to the taxidermist, we went back and and uh, to get my son a deer, and we ended up. He shot. He shot. He shot some bucks before, but this year uh, he got a really nice uh, Idaho mule deer too um, on that hunt. And and then the next day, or the next couple days later, we took my I took my wife out for her hunt, and we got really fortunate there. We got on some deer, and and uh, she made a for her first deer. She made a ice cold shot, and she actually made the longest shot of the year for all of us. It was forty yards. That's awesome. Um, you know, and and uh, she pin so cool, she man. she pinwheeled that deer, and I was so proud of her, and that just made my entire season right there. That was wow, absolutely what a mission season. accomplished. Congrats! Yeah, yeah just one thing: don't ever tick her off, man. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is so awesome, man. That's that's uh, and and Mike and Ken, you know, tonight during this show, um you bring a unique perspective. So when we're talking about some of these advice things and things <clears throat> that, uh, that you would have a question on or something that bothered you or concern you, you just toss it right in there, man. Cause that's how this works. All right. Mm-hmm. You betcha. Okay. Well guys, we're in L camp. Exactly. That's guys, it. y'all know what time it is. If you're new to the show, we usually have put a few shout outs to a few cities with the most listeners topping our charts this week. 
But Joe, what's going on with the shout outs? Yeah, there's there's gonna be a little bit of some changes. Oh, and I just gotta I gotta throw out to Jason Schultz, man, for, for sending us in that clip right there, man, of him doing the shout out through a grunt tube. Is that, that cool or what, cool. man? It's awesome. <laughs> so um Y'all, shout-outs have been a big topic of discussion uh, within ourselves. It's something we always think about. We always want to produce a show of value. Um, we don't know because we don't hear a lot from our listeners out there about our shout-outs or whether or not they're getting that value um, from what we do with that. And, and, and we've said we do that so that we have a personal connection. That's been the whole reason that we do this. It's our way of thanking those people that listening and, and getting to learn something about each of these places or just recognizing where they're at. And our concern was is that, you know, sometimes between us doing our thing and, and then doing our shout-outs, it's about 30 minutes in, 20 minutes in, you know, depending on the night, could be 15 minutes in, before we get to our elk hunting contact content. And so... You know, for us, we were like, well, should we make a change on that? And basically it came down to this is that, no, we shouldn't because of the very reasons that we do it. Because it's about us and you and all of our blue-collar grinders out there and recognizing you and letting you know how much uh, you guys mean to us. So if that takes a little bit of time to do that, well, doggone it. If you don't want to listen, just fast forward through it, you know, um, or you can listen to the banter. You might learn something and uh, and who knows, you you might be on there at some time. Uh, one thing, though, that so we are going to continue that. But one thing that we are going to do is if you, you guys have already seen one set of our grinder shout outs, we actually invited our grinders to send in a clip of themselves, um, giving us their name, their hometown and giving us a little clip. Well, that's going to continue. Look, if you want to be part of our show, you have an opportunity of doing the same thing. You can record yourself just taking your phone, doing uh, one of those selfies out there and any place you want. Um, you're going to give us your name, where you're from, and you can give us a little home of. You can give us a holler about something, um, and uh, and we'll put that on. We'll include that so as one of the top five so that we don't go too, any too much deeper in the show. We'll see how the time part of it goes. And it gives us a chance to talk about you and your place and where, what you've just said. So um, the banter will continue, but... We want to make sure that you guys are recognized. So we came this close to changing that. And uh, I don't know. I woke up last night and said, no. Uh, I made an executive decision, y'all. <laughs> we riding with you, Joe. <laughs> it's going to stay the same. So um, during our show tonight, you're going to continue to see video shout-outs from our grinders uh, in the different groups that we have. And uh, uh, we're going to do one group now. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to list and talk about the top 10 cities overall for this last, well, overall since we've started this, y'all. So here's our second group of grinders, guys. Hey, what's up, Elk Bros? It's John from Fort Collins, Colorado. Just uh, wanted to wish you guys a happy 100th episode. You guys are crushing it. Keep doing what you're doing. And, and just like, thanks for everything, really. Yep. Peace. My name is Sean Dawson. I'm from Independence, Wisconsin. 
and I've been grinding it out with the Elk Bros since day one. I'd like to say thanks to Joe, Chav, Gilbert, Louise, and Manano for putting everything out there and letting us gobble it up. Merry Christmas. Hey, all you fella Elk Bros out there, Alan McClanahan coming to you from a little hidden spot here in Arkansas doing a uh, early December uh, vet youth duck hunt today. Uh, keep grinding and looking forward to seeing you guys on the Elk Mountain this year. This is Zach Cedar tuning in from Corning, New York, the Crystal City, home of the world-renowned Corning Museum of Glass. Cheers to that. <laughs> how about all those cool locations man oh that's cool that's cool that is just so awesome and then he tings the glass ting yeah <laughs> yeah he's, he's hey, got a Mike. i don't know if that's a i don't know if that's a margarita he's got going on for new mexico god or bless him i just gotta say thank you to all those guys you know sending those videos in man that's way cool we appreciate you guys that's a lot to us so so cool and for you guys uh you know watching listening that's what uh we're hoping you do we'd, we'd love to have you on uh see your mug let your kids see you um uh give us a chance to either uh say something nice about you or bust on you <laughs> either way it goes but uh we're, we're excited to add that to our uh third season okay so hopefully that happens now list of the top 10 listening cities overall since we have started this these are the top 10 listening cities in 10th place portland oregon man <laughs> yeah uh ninth the 505 is in the house still hanging tight Albuquerque, new mexico yeah um eighth place Seattle, Washington. And, and man, Washington has just been phenomenal. Uh, home of a good friend of ours uh, in this area, in this state. In seventh place was Minneapolis, Minnesota. Sixth place, just up the road, about two and a half hours, Colorado Springs. Colorado, what's up, Baker? In <laughs> fifth place, Salt Lake City, Utah. Salt Lake City. Uh, in fourth place these guys are in the house all the time joe they were they were not even in the top 10 what was it i don't know three four two months, months ago? ago two months ago yeah we're not in the top 10 and just really i i, I still lake stevens i want to know what's going on lake stevens <laughs> washington man yeah. and oh by the way they're getting ready to overtake third place so chicago illinois y'all got to get cranking man the windy city's in the house yeah windy city's in the house and lake stevens is on your rear end man wow. <laughs> hey and uh and look i don't want manano and luis to start saying that joe's from the windy city after you know, <laughs> oh my god <laughs> well if they watched Ma the mafia episode they Ooh, go more like the crappy city <laughs> and in second place big d the other one up north here denver colorado that's and little d joe <laughs> <laughs> well in first place well, yeah. where would this be then gilbert Go ahead. straight up big d in the house in the dfw from dallas texas go ahead manano <laughs> Down the way he takes i don't know us. why he's celebrating he doesn't even listen to the podcast <laughs> from dallas texas the first city oh. big shout out for for my fellows dallas <laughs> dallas texas the dallasonians 
All right, grinder shout outs. Elk Bros, it's Jim Coyle from Riverton, Wyoming. It's a pleasure and honor to be involved in your 100th episode. Congratulations, guys. Love your passion for elk hunting and keep grinding. This is Roger Campbell from Sultan, Washington, home of the uh, 1968 Sky River Rock Festival with the Grateful Dead, uh, Muddy Waters, and even Richard Pryor, a year before uh, the famous Woodstock. Congrats. Zach Fisher here from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, home of the undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers. I want to thank you guys for all that you're doing for us elk hunters and congratulate you on your 100th episode. God bless you guys. I'm Chad Hashin coming to you live from North Dakota, where it's so flat you can watch your dog run away for two weeks. <laughs> you right about that. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, boy. It's like Midland, shot. Texas. Watch your dog run away for three days. Yeah, old Zach went and jinxed, man. The Steelers, right, man? Man, he did. He should have never piped that up. The Ravens took care of business, boy. <laughs> All right, guys. Here we go. We're going to get to the meat. Tonight's show is one for the books. It's all about elk hunting advice and taking from some of the areas most asked about this year. So what we've done is we've taken kind of these areas to get advice. And instead of, you're not going to just hear advice from us. Y'all, we have asked for some friends mm-hmm. to chime on in. So what we're going to do is we're going to let you know kind of what the area is and uh, and we'll let one of our friends help us out a little bit and then we'll chime in some, all right? So first of all, the the first the area was um i had somebody that asked us this early on and i thought it was so cool that i wrote this down it was if we could go back in time and give ourselves one piece of elk hunting advice what would that be so let's find out and if you're going to ask anybody about elk hunting advice let's start out first of all with the elk nut himself. Hey, Joe, and listeners. Hey, elk nut here. Glad to be a part of the, the podcast here, Joe. Hey, I was asked if I could take one piece of advice or, or information that I've learned over the last 40 plus years of elk hunting, what would it be? If I could take it to the very beginning as a newer elk hunter, what is it that I would glean from that? From, from what I know now, and put it back in those early times. And you know, without a doubt, for myself and for my son, it was learning and understanding the elk's language. Not just learning. In other words, we're not talking about can you bugle or can you cow call. We're talking about understanding the different sounds that a bull or cow would make. We know that their sounds come from emotion. So when you can hear a different bugle from a bull given a, a different tone or a different emotion, it sends a different message. The same as if he was warning a bull or if he was trying to call cows uh, to him or was he trying to call cows from another bull. Different sounds, different emotion, different tones for those. Same with a cow. If we have cows that are trying to regather cows that are getting too far away or she's trying to call a bull to him, Instead of him trying to call her, she's trying to bring him over. They have a different uh, uh, tone or a different cadence to their sound. And these are the things that we tried to sink our, uh, started to sink our teeth into. And that was the game changer in our life. 
We started calling in bull after bull after bull and cows or any elk we wanted. Whereas today, probably calling close to 85, 90% of the elk that we target. This was the game changer. I wish I would have known that when I first started elk hunting. And, and to understand, there's a lot more to hunting elk than making elk sounds. It's communicating with them. And guys like Joe through Elk Bros and through the Elk Nut mobile app who are willing to share years and years of, of hunting and instruction and the sounds and their techniques and tactics once elk are found. Guys, this is just crazy unreal. You need to take advantage of these sources because these are guys that are successful year after year. Do-it-yourself, over-the-counter hunts. Not some special hunts, but over-the-counter and show yearly success. So I hope this helps you guys out there, and I appreciate the invite, and everybody stay safe. Yeah, Paul's awesome, huh? That's yeah, right. very yeah, cool. Yeah, and, and you know, Mike, I think you, you relate a lot to what he just said because what we were talking about before is, is pretty much what you were doing on your hunt. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I, it was, it was. I've had the opportunity to listen to elk a lot, like even this year, um, and other years, and, um, and listen, and I've gone through the elk nut and elk one one, and my first uh, one of the things that are big to me is knowledge, right? Yeah. Um, and and uh, I think the first one I did was uh, Chris Rowe, right? Yeah. He was the first when I first started. He was like the only guy out, there, one of the only guys out there. Um, but really, one thing I, I learned was was the language. It was like I was tr I'm trying to create this scenario of you know of in that situation. What situ What do I need to do in that situation, right? Um, and in that particular one this year, it was basically I, I felt the best thing to do there was because they weren't talking, they weren't screaming, and, and it wasn't any of that. But we had a pretty good idea there was elk there, and so I figured the best way to do it would be to make them curious. Yeah. And, and, yeah, and you know, sometimes less is more. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we we talk about this all the time as far as you know, we've talked about understanding the language, the why of of. You know, why are you calling? You know, the yeah. why of certain elk calls that you're putting out there, the why of them responding to you, and understanding that so that you can apply it. Now, I, I will tell people there there are absolutely ways that you can simplify that. In other words, you know, it's just like in our own language. Now, the more you know, the more artistic you get to be with it, the more you get to dissect it, the more you get to, instead of being able to bring in, you know, that three out of ten bulls or that four out of ten bulls you start getting a little deeper you start dissecting and pulling in those seven those eight and nine out of ten bulls you know just because you you've got that artistry but you know I, I think you can simplify it early on and and there's different ways that you can simplify it but you know I, I talk all the time about you know it's kind of like there's certain things that you can hear somebody say that you know that those are fighting words yeah. There are certain things that you can hear in noises that you know that those are love and noises, right? And you can actually develop your different situations of loving noises, of fighting stuff, of of irritating, of being aggressive. You can you can develop a little niche and then build on that. And one thing that I talked about is and and me and 
you know, Paul has talked about this and, and you know, Chris has talked about this is sometimes um, you shouldn't just be making calls if you don't know what you're saying. However, so many people out there are not sure yet that are working on that skill set. And I kind of compare it to uh, Manano and Luis. You know, uh, I was talking one time and Luis, you were talking about some songs that you knew. Mm. And and I I bet this happens to you as well, Manano. There's certain songs that you can sing that you don't know what the words mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, it, yeah, I was giving you the example that uh, when I was a kid in Venezuela, I would sing songs in English and just kind of pronouncing what I could hear, but not understanding what I was saying. I'm and still then when doing I, that. When, when that's what he said <laughs> and uh so when you get when you know when i got here to the states and started kind of learning a bit more it's like oh that's what that song said you know it's just like that uh, gives it a whole trigger that conversation <laughs> yes sir <laughs> but in, yeah. in that in that exact sense that's exactly what i mean by this you okay. even like you could have somebody say hello to you even if you didn't know and you said hello it was the right response right because you just mimicked right. what they did, you know. Uh, <clears throat> now, if somebody comes and says, I'm going to kick your butt, and you can say, I'm going to kick your butt, well, it was probably the right aggressive response, right? <laughs> so, but, but the limit of your depth of the conversation is limited. Um, you're only going to be able to go so far before you're not comfortable and you want to back out. And that's exactly what Paul's talking about there, right. you know, being able to have those keys. And, and, and you're, you're right. Mike, man, uh, Chris, the master, man. I mean, he's got <laughs> hours taken, and hours. Yeah, I've taken a well. Part of it was out of your playbook, you know. Be a lover, lover before a fighter. Absolutely. You know, and and that's how I always start it. You know, and if that's how they want to play, well, then we're going to play. We're going to play that game. If they want to change it to something else, I think there's going to work. Then, you know, and I mean, I'm not that experienced, and I don't always know exactly what I'm doing. You know, but I've tried to learn and listen enough to all the resources out there to, well, how, well, how about this trick, right? Yep. And, and, you know, so far it's worked really well. Looks like it. Well done. <laughs> well done, Mike. Yeah, absolutely, man. So, guys, what about any of you guys, if you could go back and give yourself some advice? I was going to, if I may jump in real quick, uh, Joe, because my, my answer was pretty similar. I wrote down learn animal behavior. So it pretty much uh, encompasses the language, right? But it's just, you know, you got to you gotta understand and know the behavior of the animal you're hunting. Uh, so in case of elk hunting, just, just do the homework to, to, to understand what they do, where they eat, uh, their patterns, um, you know, how to, how to breed. Uh, their times of the day, their times of the year, and obviously their language uh, as part of it. So, yeah, good, absolutely. I mean, well, I can tell you for me, Joe, one hundred percent. Mister Sutton said it just a few minutes ago. Round is a shape, but when you do this stuff, boys, y'all better have your butts in shape because. This uh, when you're hunting in these altitudes and everything, us flatlanders from whether it be Maryland or Texas or Louisiana, we're just not ready for the altitude. Really hard to mimic the training 
the ground is never flat. Uh, it's very unforgiving. The physical aspect of this game or, you know, this sport that we like to partic- participate in, it's, it's amazingly challenging, not just on your physical ability, but your mental capacity because your physical capacity will give out on you. And then when that happens, you, you're ready to pack it in because your, mind your mind's a lot stronger than your body. But at the end of the day, man, your body's got to be well-equipped to do this. No doubt we need to speak the language and everything. But, man, you got to get your, your body and your mind ready for what you're fixing to endure. Yeah, lo- looking back at it, it was definitely limiting for my hunt. I oh, mean, man, I, I, for sure. Yeah. For sure. We've, we've all been there. Well, yeah. I mean, look, my first my first elk hunt, Carl Gamish tried to drag me up and down a mountain, and it was not working for him, right? Because he was, you know, five foot nine, about 180, 175 pounds himself. And uh, he was like, man, dude, I need a dadgum go-kart to take this cat around with me. I mean, he lost 335 pounds. I mean, you know, I had no business up at 10,000 feet. I mean, dude, I'm serious. It was uphill both ways coming, coming and going. You know, and uh, and back then he just walked out of camp. Man, I didn't make it to the corral, and I was like, "What in the world is going on here? There's no, I didn't even make it to the corral, and I'm about to faint, man." You know, so I'm I'm thinking, how am I ever going to get a bow pulled back? You know, and then Joe challenged me, fellas. I got to be challenged. Joe's one of the best elk coaches in the country, and he challenged me. Kind of, kind of aggravated me, but he challenged me, right? And uh, I said, I want to hunt with Joe. Joe, you know, Joe's aggressive. I'm aggressive by nature. But you got to get your P's and Q's in order. And Joe let me know real quick. Hey, boy, you're too fat to do what we do. And, you, <laughs> and, and I'm just going to tell you straight up, if you don't change your life, you're not going to be here to enjoy it with your kids and everything else. And, look, it's a battle that I fight, you know, every year, you know. Um, I can look at a piece of pie and I might as well just rub it on my butt because that's where it's going to be, right? Because at, at the end of the day, man, I, we're foodies around here. Been down here in Texas, there's good food. My wife loves to cook. It's the holidays. I'm going to pack on the holiday 20 and I'm going to be working my tail end off. I'm healed up. I'm ready to go. So, you know, yeah, just, I'm, just make sure that you don't get to that point where it breaks you down again. That's the only nah, thing. No, no doubt. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. For sure. No, totally. But I think I think being in physical and, and mental condition is and understanding what you're fixing to endure is super important. Very I, true, bro. Yeah. Your mental conditioning yeah. will will pay dividends in your physical mm. conditioning because yeah. that's a big part of it. If you can if you can fight off those demons mentally, there's a yeah. lot you can do with your oh. body in this and, and vice versa too. Yeah. I mean exercising will also help your with your health, uh, mental health. Mm-hmm. Yeah, build some confidence up there, absolutely, yeah. because you start doing things you couldn't. And, and, you know, I've told people, look, you know, do you have to be in the best shape of your life to go and kill it? No, you don't. But your opportunities are going to be proportionate a lot of times to your ability to move up and down those hills, man. I mean, yeah, buddy. Uh, it, it's just uh, there's times when it's time to close. And if you don't close, it's over. They're gone. It's just physically demanding, and not only before the shot, but, I mean, after the kill. 
Oh, just getting out of your daggum yeah. tent in the morning, man. You know? <laughs> oh yeah, the, the the trip down the hill was a haul. You know, I was yeah. I was going down a thousand feet, and I'm I'm thinking, oh boy, you know, here here I go. <laughs> so yeah. it, it's 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 tough. I I I did take a mule deer on the trip, and, and oh that I, man, oh, yeah, awesome. yeah. So that that was that was a plus. Uh, but anyway, in order to get that mule deer, it, I I had a I had to go down quite a bit a pretty big hill and back up another hill when i get up there i was i was shot you know and, and i was i was using a rifle so i was just happy i hit it at that point you know <laughs> praise jesus yeah that's, yeah that's exactly right yeah <laughs> hey so chav what would have uh young leroy told uh the sensei <laughs> i mean what would the sensei the other tell? way yeah. yeah 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 going back the other way what would the sensei have told the young leroy huh well, there's just uh, a lot of little things, you know. Of course, wind and thermals are really important. But even even going back on on the uh, how to recognize a, a cow call early, because there's a bird out there that sounds just like a cow. Yes, there is. <laughs> <laughs> and also, don't don't discount a terrible sounding bugle, because there's so many times we're fooled <laughs> by bulls that, are, that you know it's like God, that guy. He had to throw his bugle away and go buy another one because he sounds terrible. And it always turned out to be an elk or a bull elk. So, yeah. you know, don't discount bad-sounding uh, bugles when you're trying to locate an elk. Yeah. And uh, and one, one more thing out there that I just have to throw out because I know it cost me probably at least four bulls, nice bulls in my lifetime, and that's the equipment. You know, double-check your equipment. You know, I, I can recall drawing back uh, three times in a row with a knot coming off, <laughs> and the bull didn't didn't see it either one of the three times, up to the point where I could have stabbed him <laughs> with, with, it, with an arrow and just scared the heck out of him. But the knot just kept coming coming off, and you know, yeah, just, Manano had that exact same thing, didn't you, Manano? Right yes, before you killed yes. your bull this year. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, if I may, Joe, uh, if uh, if I were that guy that asked that question, if that guy have reception, I'm gonna say call Joe Giglio. He's gonna give you the same. I mean, the perfect answer you're looking for. Even better, sign up to the Elk Bros Academy. But Chaff just number one. Chaff just mentioned uh, uh, something really important that in today's hunt, it's really helpful for us. I mean, equipment. Yeah. And when he said equipment, I, I, I mean, uh, I mean, of course, your equipment, your bow, arrows, and stuff. But if you go with uh, the electronic device, like uh, Onyx or Base Map yes, or those kind of tools. I mean, even if you are a, a well-trained, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, sorry, guys, sorry for my language limitation. I'm going to fast translate in Spanish to English. You're good, brother. Uh, <laughs> Rock on, even, baby. Even if you are uh, if you're in shape, in good shape, mm -hmm. uh, you must have tools. You, yeah. must, uh, you must know how to manipulate and how to... To, to learn the, the terrain that's that's really important I think uh, that's a that's my advice and, and, and always go an extra mile that's okay. gonna create opportunities yeah. 
Yeah. No, that's Superman. And never you know, stop walking if you always go an extra mile, dude. What are you talking well, about? Well, if you go with Joe, you just turn it around. <laughs> going, <laughs> you go in circle, circle. You know, you'll come back. You'll come back. Around. This is a perfect segue into uh, what what Trevin his advice is, and and I'm going to give him a chance to tell that. But so many people hear us talking about putting on miles, putting on miles, putting on miles, and mm-hmm. a lot of times rifle hunters hear us doing that about putting on miles, putting on miles, and and Trevin has a whole different approach as far as that, and uh, we'll, we'll let you see his his advice right here. Hey, I'm Trevin Stolzer with Outback Outdoors. I want to congratulate the Blue Collar Podcast, Blue Collar Elk Hunting Podcast, on their 100th episode, or podcast, if you will. And uh, my number one elk hunting tips is use your glass, not your boots, to find elk. God bless. See you down the trail. Work so, smart, not hard, boys. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, Love and, it, Trevor. To, and to what he's <laughs> talking about, especially, man, when you're rifle hunting, you know, being mm-hmm. able to locate them and to figure out what they're doing, where they're going, going and bedding down, making an approach, and uh, and working out how you're going to take that animal. It's so huge, especially in those later hunts. Because, remember, finding elk is half the battle, right? Even in order At to least. Really find it. And the only problem is for us and depends on your situation where you are. There's some people that, you know, during the archery season, when it's thick and it's green and those animals are in the, it's hard to find an area to glass. And yet, if we get an opportunity to, we cover area with glass, you know, if we get a chance to look down into some canyons and stuff. So you're right. Um, I, I just want to make sure that people hear, you know, that working smart instead of hard sometimes is a huge key and i know trevin spends hours behind some glass he sent me uh just a a picture the other day of a bull he had um in his in his spotting scope that he was waiting all day to make a move on man and then he'd make his move on it and then capitalize on it on a late rifle hunt so you know uh that's a real good point right no doubt so next area People say, well, I keep hearing about what I should do. Um, what advice would you give me of things not to do while elk hunting? Well, <laughs> we're going to go to our good friend over at the Western Huntsman podcast to get an answer on that. Hey, guys, Jim Huntsman over at the Western Huntsman podcast. First of all, a huge congratulations to you guys over at Blue Collar Elk Hunting. What a milestone, 100 episodes of great content and I eat every one of them up. I appreciate what you guys do. Uh, just a serious congratulations. As for my advice as to what hunters shouldn't do, I have two things. The first one being is take advantage of the resources like blue collar elk hunting. Take advantage, soak that stuff up, become the best student you have ever been. Know those elk, know your strategies, know the game. Soak it up. It's right there at your fingertips. My second piece of advice is to never give up. If it's hunting season and you have yet to notch a tag, get your butt off the couch, get on that mountain, and make it happen. Guys, keep grinding. Blue Collar Elk Hunting, I love your show. Keep it up. I don't know what I'd do without it. Thanks, guys. Congratulations. (laughs) Straight up, Jim. Way to represent. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What would you say is the thing not to do while elk hunting, anybody? One of the things I wrote down is like, look, it, you, you, you cannot go elk hunting unprepared. Yeah. 
and 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 to me that you know and if you want to know how to get prepared call luis he's got said uh luis at elkbros.com y'all send him he'll send you a big list that's still a, i'm still figuring it out man i i, I ain't prepared uh most no. of the time but that's what i was gonna say i mean I, over over a few years i've realized that there's always something that i realize like man i you know this is a, an aspect of the hunt that i'm missing that i need you know to prepare more for this is an aspect that i need to prepare more for so i mean it, it's a, it's complex there are a lot of things that you have to uh, where you have to have your t's crossed and your i's dotted and and so if you know for your hunt for the animal and and for others at camp you know you owe it to everybody to just be prepared so prepared in gear, prepared in conditioning, everything, in, there everything, go. everything. Yes, sir. And I think one of the biggest things for me to not to not know not to do is uh, when you start hunting these critters is to understand or underestimate their ability to survive and to use their senses to survive. Their nose is unbelievable. And I harken back to Mr. Bozart's hunt. He knew beyond a shadow of a doubt the wind was wrong. He would have never got an opportunity. He went in there and blew that bull out of there, and he would have never even known he was there. Uh, you have got to understand thermals and wind direction when you're making a play on, on an animal, right? And it is so important to understand that if you won't even see elk if you don't use the wind right. And uh, I, I think you got to know – you know, the little snuffer, I mean, there's there's now apps on our apps that tell us the wind direction in an area that we're in, right? So, I mean, there's a lot of tools that we, we can use in understanding thermals as they work. And we've had many podcasts on that, uh, Joe can tell you. But I, what not to do is chase a bull into a situation that is not going to be in a good wind or any elk for that matter, right? Yeah, you're just setting yourself up for disappointment, right? Well, you know, Brandon, you've been now with us two years. And uh, I, I imagine some of that, you know, there's been a lot of those lessons of things. Uh, this is something I shouldn't do, right? Uh, can you give us one of those? Well, this year, uh, painfully, I I learned what not to do when a bull elk is coming in. Is Even if you think it's out of range and not going to come into range, make sure that you put your range finder in your pocket so you're not holding it in the hand that he has your release in it. <laughs> because that bull actually can make a right, take three steps, and all of a sudden, you know. He's in the kill zone. Yeah. 80, yeah. So, and that happened to me, and he, you know, made a right, took three or four steps. Next thing you know, he's staring at me at about 48 yards, and, I'm holding my rangefinder with my bow up like, uh-oh. And there, he never took his eyes off me, and I I couldn't get the shot. Gilbert was in that set with me, and, you know, unfortunately, he tried to get a shot, pulled back, and ended up having his uh, having his peep twisted. So we had multiple calamities on a, <laughs> on a bull that Joe called. Yeah, it should have been slam dunked. Yeah, that's, that should have been dead twice. Yeah. <laughs> and unfortunately, it walked away. So yeah, and I, I think Brendan said, like Brendan said, just the ability to draw his bow, too. I mean, you know, when, when that animal's coming in, he's learned a lot. You know, when he's breaking the barrier at 60 and he's keep coming, you got to draw. You know, and I mean, 
we'll never be able to release an arrow if we don't draw. Absolutely, man. And I think if I was to tell somebody what not to do, it would be do not be a one-trick pony. Don't don't put all your eggs in one basket in a lot of ways. In in other words, um, uh, with the area that you hunt, don't pound an area to death if you're not finding elk in there. If you're if you're not finding sign, you're not smelling, you're not having any type of encounters. You know, don't keep trying to cram that square peg in a round hole. Get your butt up, yeah. move, and go someplace else because they ain't there yet, right? Um, and same thing with uh, with your style of hunting, man. I mean, uh, so many people and so many uh, have learned by watching YouTube and everything, man. It's just it's just to go and scream out. You know, challenge bugle after challenge bugle, a location to a challenge bugle, get one to answer and challenge that animal. And, yeah, every now and then you get that bull, especially in the right time of year, in the right situation, that is going to want to play and come into that. But what if you're in areas where they are not in that mode or they are not in that time or um, they're just not feeling that at that time? Uh, you're you're out of luck now because you do not have alternative strategies or methods or willing to change. And I've heard people say, you know, hey, I'm just going to go until I either get one or I don't, right? Well, that means either you get one or you don't, (laughs) right? I would rather turn that from a 50-50 chance, which, you know, when when we're talking 10% of hunters out there that kill elk every year, then it's not a 50-50 deal, man. It's a 10 90 right now and so i would like to change those odds more to where it's a 50 50 or it's a 60 40 or it's a 70 30 man and you know you take a look at you take a look at our seasons and over the years you know shoot we're in the 80 percentile right now man we were we're batting heavy hitting right now um 100 opportunities yeah and and just uh, and, but at the same time, you know, I thought about that, Gilbert. Man, I was kind of taking a look at, you know, because I always preach about getting a lot of opportunities if you want to be able to get an animal. But I keep looking at how many opportunities we actually did have. Most of ours, and that's what I'm pro- so I'm so proud about this group. No doubt, yeah. Take advantage of it. Oh yeah. man, we closed the deal. You yeah. know, we got an opportunity and we made it happen. So. Uh, I, I think that was critical, but that that would be the thing: is do not get stubborn. Don't yeah. uh, and and a lot of times it's because we don't have those skill sets to make those other decisions. So um, work on those, you know, and and you know, find. I've always been one of those coaches that I don't go. We're a man-to-man team, and we're going to go beat another team just because we're man-to-man. Uh, I take a look at the other team's weaknesses. What are they going to give you? What is it that, uh, you know, what is the chink in their armor at that time? And, man, I mean, if it's that, like Mike, you know, if it's, <laughs> hey, they're coming to the water hole and I can put up a blind here, dude. Yeah, buddy. Heck, Slam yeah. dunk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, why would you go? Nope, I'm not doing it. Now look, I'm gonna go hike eight miles. <laughs> it's not. Yeah, it's not as sexy, maybe, Raven. That's. I don't know, give a dang, man. You know, uh, yeah. Yeah. You, you know what? Uh, you know. You know what's better than sexy? Eating. That's right. That's, you know, I got a lot of. I got a I lot resemble of, that remark. That's right. <laughs> I got a lot of crap on my personal Facebook page from a guy who. Because I because I shot a 
elk out of a blind. And he's like, well, you know, you're supposed to call him in and you're supposed to have the bulls screaming. And, and she, you know, I say, well, you know what? My freezer is my trophy room. You do you, Padna. Good luck. Good luck I think, to you. I think one of the th- things that I have for this is, is pretty, is, we all should know, right? But don't put your bow down. If you th- don't ever think that the elk are not going to be right there at any time. And I learned this, you better be ready. You know, I, I, I learned this the hard way because I waited six years for an elk tag in Nevada. Oh, and wow. I'm sitting there and, you know, we're glassing up. It's, Nevada's a whole different game like than Idaho. You can glass. It's early. It's in August. You're glassing bulls and then trying to figure out their patterns and all that stuff and try to ambush them. And I had this spot and I'd been – up the up the ridge a little farther the day before and the bulls had passed below me so i moved down the ridge and i was sitting there and it got to be about nine o'clock and i was sitting in this spot and i had the wind i had everything and i said well they're not going to come so i left my bow sitting there and i just moved about three feet over to look to glass up the other ridge and i heard a crunch and i had a, a bull looking at me over the top over the top of the bushes about 15 yards 10 yards at me and he walked by me. My bow is at my feet, and I'm busted. Right? I'm, I'm not. He doesn't know what I am, but I'm pinned. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. That. And right then there, I'm thinking I am the dumbest hunter in the world. <laughs> I, I waited six years for this tag, you know, because you know he he actually let me. He come down. And he actually let me pick up my bow. Oh man! And, and I, I was smart enough to have an arrow knocked. <laughs> he let me pick up my bow and hook up my release. He walked down the hill. His buddy came in behind him, and uh, he let me turn. And you know, I learned by, from listening to Joe is I probably should have just drawn on him. He let me do all that. Yeah. You know, but I didn't. So I waited for him to walk down the hill. And when he turned his head. I tried to draw him and he busted on him and he busted me. But the whole thing is if I'd have had my bow in my hand when I should have, then that 330 bull would have been, you know, coming home with me. But yeah, that, that's so true. And we've all been there. Learned. And, and yeah. I was going to say, man, when you said do not, you know, and, and you were absolutely right, you know, don't put your bow down. Uh, it, man, I don't know how many times calling, you know, the, you get that call out there in the woods, you got to go out there and, oh, yeah. and oh, yeah. have an animal come in when you least expect it. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and, me, uh, me and Brendan last year, uh, the year before last, we're, we're tracking a bear and um, we were tired. And so we had stopped at a place and we kind of left all the stuff. And then, you know, Manano stayed stayed back with our packs and everything, and then we started uh, kind of following the trail a little bit. And Brendan is like, "Should we go back and, and get our bows?" I was like, "Nah, just you know, kind of looking a little here further. We'll go back here in a minute." Sure enough, we made three more steps, and here comes a herd of elk, and we have a cow standing right in front of me. Uh, I don't know, Brendan, how many ten yards, twelve yards in front of me? And completely broadside and. I have nothing but my rangefinder in my hand. I believe Manano told you to take your bow. Oh, Brendan did. Oh, Brendan. <laughs> three, three times. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I was going to say, though, you know, when, when Mike set, he had his fo- bow at his feet, I was going to say do not not pick it up. 
Gotta get it. <laughs> yeah. Gotta Just try. Pick it up. Gotta and draw. draw. And yeah, I mean, <laughs> gotta uh, draw. If, yeah. if you don't, I mean, it's still, you, you know, again, we talk about those odds. You stand there with that bow at your feet, that animal's going to walk off. There's no yeah. opportunity. You go to pick it up. Well, now you have odds now. Yeah. Either that animal's going to give <laughs> yeah. you a shot or he's not, but you have an opportunity. Right. Yeah. Right. You and know, you know I, I had the big Canadian with me this weekend in a blind and stand, and he went to draw his bow, and he hadn't drawn it from sitting down in a long time, Joe. So <laughs> he gets it to about right here, and he's like, oh, my God. He goes, oh, as soon as he goes up to draw, I mean, it scattered the deer. Oh. <laughs> around, he, he looks at me. I said, you can let down now. <laughs> let's down, Joe. And I said, listen, man, when you drag it back, just keep on going, man. Don't stop. You know, he goes, man, I wasn't trying to stop. <laughs> I just couldn't get it back. Yeah. And I said, well, it don't matter, man. Go ahead and finish it. If the deer's standing there, we'll yeah. make a play on her. You know, second time they came in, he went ahead and finished it. They all busted except for one of them, right? And she turned just like she needed to. But he would, you know, he didn't finish that draw, so he would have never got that opportunity. Yeah. You know? So right. you got to finish, man. You got to draw. That's one of those big regrets I had is not drawing. I mean, yeah. I had because like it's amazing what you can get away with. Absolutely. And because like this <laughs> this year with my son's bull, that bull came in. He was looking at me. Down, you know where I where I was down in the brush calling, and when my son saw him and turned his head, he picked him off. But he let he let my son raise his bow and draw, and he killed him. You know, it's just amazing what you can so get away with. Think about what that elk is thinking about. I mean, they're hearing another bull. They're hearing another elk, right? And they see a movement. So it makes total sense. They, yeah. They're they going to where there's elk at. So a movement is not strange yeah. to them. So, I mean, you have your bow up, and you have that bull in front of you looking at you. Scream a bugle and pull. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you got the diaphragm in your mouth. You just scream a bugle, draw back, and pump. You let it go, man, because yeah. even if they booger, because if Still they think it's chance. another bull in too much proximity, mm -hmm. I, I'm telling you so many times, yeah. booger just a little bit, and they're going to stop, and they're going to turn. Yeah. They Elk have a deadly fault, man, you know, yeah. uh, and they will stop and turn broadside to be able to see what just spooked them, so... Uh, you know, two years ago, Joe and I had a bull standoff with us. What was it, 13 minutes, Joe? He's staring at us, 12 minutes, something like he's just staring us down. And, I mean, he's got us pegged. He's 35 yards. He done got in the kill zone, and he's got us pegged. I mean, and I really got – I got one little aspen tree in front of him, and we're standing there, cool hand Luke. I'm about ready to hyperventilate because he is staring a hole through us. Did you have the uh, Elbrose camel? I did, man. I had the Vakruk. No, I didn't. <laughs> it, was, it, was a, it was a different camo. But, you know, I knew that once the bull was going to make a move, Joe's classic at this. As soon as the bull makes a move and I go to draw, he's going to scream a bugle. Same thing happened. Bull goes to turn. When he turns, Joe sees – he covers the kill with the aspen tree. I got to draw and step out behind that aspen. And Joe screams a hard bugle at him, and he just looks at us like – well, okay, fellas, I hear you, but where are y'all at? You know, and it never boogered or nothing. And man, it was K Sarah Sarah when the when the little red dot hit where it needed to go. 
<laughs> and it was done, you know. But again, if I don't draw in that scenario, we never get that done. And yep. and Joe doesn't cover, you know. Uh, and you can cover yourself. You can cover it with a cow call, you know, or scream whatever you want to, as long as you got that diaphragm in your mouth. So, yeah, my, I guess another thing, Joe, that what not to do, man, do not not draw. Draw you, bro. Yeah. Draw your bro. <laughs> That's right. Got to draw. You're not yep. going to kill nothing if you don't draw. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Let's see. Let's hear from some grinders. Absolutely. This is James Rivera from Tucumcari, New Mexico, home of the Tucumcari Rattlers. Just want to give a shout out to the Elk Bros on their hundredth episode. Congratulations! Great job, kicking butt. You guys have a good holiday season. We'll talk soon. Brian Havis from Henderson, Nevada. Hey there, Debbie Parker, Washington, D.C., home of one of the Elk Bros' biggest fans. Hey, this is Star Olson here, coming at you from Dietrich, Idaho. Home of the Blue Devils. This is Jason Schultz from Salem, Connecticut. Congratulations, Elk Brothers, to 100 episodes, and here's to the next 100. Keep it up, boys. Thanks a lot. Man. What's up, Elk Bros? Darren Gresham from Millsap, Texas. Go ahead, here Trying Millsap. to get these bulls called up. Oh yeah! <laughs> well, and what you you know? I know you guys don't see it because you're not seeing the video right now. He is amongst about twelve of his moo cow bulls. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, will they see it on YouTube? Oh yeah! Oh, yeah. I, oh that's yeah. so cool. Yeah. So he turns and he screams at those at those moo cows, man. He's I'm trying to get these bulls called up. It was solid bugle oh, too, baby. Man. It was cl- and didn't it sound good, huh? Sound real good. Oh yeah. my gosh! Thank you. Yeah. So next up on our question, okay, is and I think this is huge because mm. I think. There's so many guys out there, and, and Luis, you talk about this all the time. Manano talks about this. You know, Manano is like, Joe, we got to be quiet, you know, because they don't want to make a mistake. They don't want to move. They, you know, we, we've been conditioned so much, you know, to not do things, to, to mess things up, right? So what advice would we give to hunters worried about making a mistake while hunting? Well, let's see what Trent Fisher has to say. Hey guys, Trent with Born and Raised Outdoors here. Um, if there is a mistake to be made elk hunting, I guarantee you I've made them all. So anyway, a couple things that you can always, always be sure of. Always play the wind correctly. And uh, they, the elk have better noses than us. Let me tell you that. And um, number two... I, I don't know. I've been thinking about this. Is have fun. Go out there and have fun. Go out there and 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 prepare to learn something every single time out. So, thank you guys so much. And that's the key. There is no such thing as messing up. There isn't. I mean, it's a learning moment, right? Yep. Uh, to to me, is to stop worrying about making mistake. Yeah. Ma- making mistakes and just simply prepare more. This ties to the previous one. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to make mistakes no matter what. Mm-hmm. But what's important is, are you learning from those mistakes and making your corrections and preparing so you don't make them again? But you're going to make them anyway, so you might as well just enjoy the ride and learn the lesson. Yeah, absolutely. What's going to happen? <laughs> what's the worst? Yeah, you nothing. You get nothing. Absolutely, man. And that's why I talk about we talk about being aggressive. I am an aggressive hunter. Yes, I blow up some opportunities, but because of my aggressiveness, I create more opportunities than I blow up, and I have a blast doing it. Oh man! Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, if you guys uh, get to see the first episode of the Mafia Man, you'll see Joe and I the first two days 
kind of doing what we do the uh, first couple of days, trying to find some elk and everything. We had an absolute blast together. We worked extremely hard, but man, it was so fun and so fulfilling. We got to do some things we don't normally get to do, which is shoot some really cool video and stuff. And so, yeah, you guys have fun, man. Have and fun. People are going to look at that, Gilbert, and they're going to go, God, how, you know, is that how you're supposed to use a decoy? Shouldn't you? Like, because what people don't understand a lot of times, if you don't really know the backstory, is we are walking and we have bulls bust us. And, and I'm like, well, shoot, let's try this. And I pull out the decoy and I'm just standing behind the decoy. So, you know, that's what Chav, you said, Chav, right? You know, you're talking about the decoy, same situation. You know, it seemed like it was over, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, there's a body sticking out of the decoy like this, <laughs> a human body. <laughs> it's just a head. Yeah. And then there's uh, Gilbert on one side, and, and I'm on the other side, completely exposed. But they're looking at that decoy the yeah. whole time. Yeah, and Gilbert and I are there, and... These bulls, by all rights, should have just flown the coop, man. Yeah. It's been out. And I pull up that decoy, and I just start throwing out some, and again, some obnoxious cow calls, man. And next thing you know, guess what? They're turning and coming. So we had a bull that should have been out there that actually came within 45 yards of shooting range. And, uh, you know, so we were basically just having fun. and, it, and We it, were, man. It was a blast. Yeah. And again, you know, we were, he's going, yeah, you got the shot? I'm like. Bro, I'm filming. You got the shot. Like, I've been holding this decoy. Like Brendan said, I've been holding this decoy for 20, 30 minutes. I can't even pull my bow back, you know. So it was great video, though, man. So uh, along, along – I got a question now, sure. now that we're talking about this. Along that line of, of not making a mistake and getting aggressive, I was rifle hunting. And when, huh? I, seen the, when I seen these elk, I, I, you know, the whole way down the mountain that night, I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to set up on these elk the next day. So I kind of hung back because I was a little concerned I was going to blow them out. Should have I been more aggressive with these elk? And, and Your rifle hunting, bud, changes the yeah. mode, okay? Yeah. Because now you're... Uh, I think your amount of aggressiveness has to be according to your mode. In other words, you know, if you have to be close up on an animal, if you've got to be 40 yards on an animal, you're going to have to be way more aggressive in making that move than if you're going to be 200, 300, 300 yards yeah. on an animal. Mm -hmm. uh, because you're right. I mean, why would I blow them out of an area when I can shadow them and and find out where they're going to be at a certain time and then make a move on them? So uh, to aggressive in oh, yeah. yeah if he means aggressive as in trying to do something different to create an opportunity for your rifle shot then the answer is absolutely yes yeah well that that's what i i they i, I kind did of did you have bulls in the group ken i i did not see any bulls i seen five cows mm -hmm. but i they were bedding in some some heavy timber below the fields that i seen them in so in the evening they came up out of the heavy timber into the fields did you hear any bulls no, I did not. Okay. okay. So my my th my thought process was possibly midday. I was going to try and creep through that heavy timber and see if I could. Catch I could, him uh, Yeah, oh, but so I kind of hung back and then. And 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 that's a tough one because when you're when you're hunting public land, you know, uh, especially rifle hunting, there's a chance that 
you know, because really all you got to do is wait for them where they went in because most of the time animals are going to come out pretty close to where they went in. They're just going to kind of do that routine of feed to bed. But when you're on public land, a lot of times that can get bumped and disrupted. So you have to, you know, you have to ask yourself. I would have put myself, knowing where they bedded, I'd have put myself at some, if possible, because I don't know the terrain. But I put myself at a high point with my glasses looking for and they're moving through either a transition area if again <clears throat> the terrain applies to that or when they were coming out to a particular area now if that's not happening because of the thickness and i know that i have a bull in the area do i try to then move in in an upwind side i'm, I'm sorry in the in the downwind side of that and and make something happen eh, i probably would you know um <laughs> But I, I wouldn't push it as hard as I have to with a bow because all I got to do is now be able to see that animal within rifle range. So it's and did you have just a bull tag? Is that correct? Yeah, so I just had a bull tag, yes. and that's kind of what I did. I set myself up about 300 yards from from where they were coming out. I tried to get the wind in my favor, and that's mm-hmm. that's that's how yeah, I set it, up on them. Yeah, that's actually a very good move right there. Yep. Okay, you know? couldn't have done okay. anything different. Yeah. So, you know, it'd been different if you either saw a bull. But all you had was some cows, so you just got, like Joe said, we're going to mirror them, see what shows up with them, you know. And the only what, time I, of, what time of year was it? This was uh, second season rifle, okay. second so season. Uh, October 24th, end of yeah. October, yeah. yeah. And so the thing I would tell you there is if uh, my only point was if you saw and you thought there was only cows and all you had was a bull tag, I wouldn't have spent my time with them. I would have moved on. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, if you had no sign of the bulls in the area, man, they're somewhere. That you know? time, yeah. And could be it could have been in that big timber too, bedded down. Okay. So yeah. next question up. If you had to boil it down to the one thing that would improve someone's success in the elk woods, their biggest asset, what would it be? Well, y'all, we're gonna go to two guys that are great at putting elk on the ground and we're gonna find out what they have to say. Oh, hey there, Dirk Durham here. And if there was one thing I'd have to say that would increase your success in the elk woods, um, I think I would have to say being a better elk caller. No, you don't have to sound like a world champion to call in elk, but you do have to sound like an elk. And I think a big mistake people make is waiting to the last minute, waiting till August to buy their elk calls and to practice with them. Now is the time, right now, in the middle of winter, um, you just got to start practicing. And it doesn't mean you have to practice hours every day. If you practice five, ten minutes a day, you'll be a better caller. You got to develop that muscle memory with your calls and your tongue and to figure out how to do it and how everything works together in harmony with your brain your internal diaphragm and your diaphragm. You don't want to sound like Joe and the boys at Elk Brothers. No, you want to You want to sound good. Like an... <laughs> so start practicing now. Awesome. Um, the work in the closet, out in the garage, so you don't make the missus mad. And uh, you'll thank me in September. Good luck, guys. Hey, everybody. Michael Batiste from the Elk Calling Academy. To me, your biggest asset as an elk hunter it would be the ability to recognize the mindset of the bull that you're working to understand what his hot buttons are 
and recognize how he's responding to your calling. If you can recognize and understand that, then you know what to say back in your calling sequence and that's just gonna lead to a lot more opportunities of success for you. To everybody over at the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Podcast, congratulations on your 100th episode. We all know that the influence and the fear of the Venezuelan mafia is what has allowed you guys to reach this milestone. Congrats. <laughs> <laughs> oh, That's right. Michael, you do uh, not know what you're doing, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. The fire, man. Wisdom, man. Your wisdom the right there, Joe. Michael. Throwing gas on the, the fire. Show, hey, guys, if, if I could tell you the one thing that makes the biggest difference um, – and in our success as a group is the ability to call elk, yeah. flat out. Period. I mean, you can you can know elk, you can know elk behaviors, you can know where elk are in an area, you can know where their favorite wallows are, you know, like Mike, where their favorite uh, food areas are. Um, but in September, um, early August, uh, beginning of October to the middle of October, you can know all those things about elk, but that means now you still have to utilize what they are doing to create an opportunity. And wait, uh, let me rephrase that. You have to do what they are doing to have an opportunity. By being able to call elk, you create the opportunities. So you're not waiting on their move you're not waiting on their time you're not waiting on their location at their water hole at their feed area at their bed you can create opportunities and bring them to you so that's huge so up next we got some grinders here let's listen to what they have to say i'm paul brucey from sault ste marie michigan uh i'd like to say semper paratus to all of you here. Thanks again. We love what you do. Shane Rasmussen from Garden City, Utah with my dad, Dennis, my son, Corey, my son, Ryder, and my brother, Clint. We're up here elk hunting. And we're having a ball. This is Ian from Helena, Montana. Congratulations on your 100th episode. Keep up the good work, boys. Dylan Ferrer from Swansea, Mass. Just giving you guys a shout out for the 100th episode. Huge feat. Couldn't do anything I do without you guys keeping me motivated and uh, keeping me grinding. Thanks again. Appreciate it. This is Dennis Janicki calling in from Butte, Montana. Big shout out to the Elk Bros, Joe Gillia, Gilbert Ornelas, Chav, and the rest of the Venezuelan Mafia. You guys keep up the good work. Again, a big shout out from Butte, Montana. Big sky country in the house. And known as the richest hill on earth. Dude, that was awesome, man. Butte, Montana in the house. Butte, Montana. It's, yeah. it's funny how you hear those different dialects all, all the way across the United <laughs> States. So, so cool, man. All right. So, here we're going to talk about hunting with an elk partner. What would be one tip or strategy that you would have for anyone hunting elk with a partner? And uh, Let's let's go to these guys are partners all the way, man. I mean, these guys have gotten in more trouble together than what they know to do with. So let's go to the Nada Grande boys and see what they have to say. <laughs> Rocky Wood. Kyle Jackson. We're Nada Grande Outdoors. And you're listening to the 100th episode of the Blue Collar 
elk hunting podcast. He really wanted to say blue collar comedy. Blue collar comedy is what I was going to say. When hunting elk with a partner, always choose who's going to shoot first. Always. Joey G, boys, congratulations. Try and catch up with us. You're right. We Adios. <laughs> Adios. That's cool. If you're hunting with Joe, you better not be last because I'm telling you, he'll be first. Look, I mean, I've been with Joe when both of us got the same bull coming and we're in the, in the middle of the set and we're having an argument <laughs> on who's up. He's like, oh, no, you're up. I'm like, listen, man, if the bull goes left, you kill him. If he goes right, I'll kill him. He's like, no, man, you just go ahead. I said, shut up, Joe. Kill the bull if he goes left. Sure enough, bull goes left. Joe ventilates him, man. So, but listen, <laughs> hey, we were in them. I, I mean, it was, we were in them so thick, fellas, that we were walking through the herd before we ever knew what was going on. We're in the middle of the elk herd. And I look up and I tell Joe, I'm like, Joe, I think I see elk right up there in front of us. And he's, get my, get my binoculars out of my bag. <laughs> so I get his binoculars out and he looks up like this right here. He's at, yeah, it is. <laughs> I mean, we are deep in them, man. And he, yeah, and it was on, man. Here come the party. I mean, uh, he kills a bull, and then not what, 15, 20 minutes later, man, we get another one down below us. We dive off in there, and we doubled up that morning. I mean, you just got to, you know, work it out between you and figure out what's going to be the best to get an elk on the ground. So, yeah, that that's number one. And yeah. that's one thing that we've said is the whole object is, you know, for that animal, for one of us to score. As a yeah. team, we all win together, man. You know, yeah. it's teamwork that makes a dream work, right? So, yes, sir. Uh, one thing, though, that uh, one thing that I tell people, especially when you're elk hunting with a partner, is when you're calling. If if you are in a partner setup and you have shooter caller, that the person who's the shooter understand you are the shooter. You are not the caller. That's the Absolutely. job of the caller to bring that animal by you uh, because now we have a situation where the elk does not know where you're at. So that you have everything in your favor. Now it's your home court because that person is back there and you're not going to end up with a hung bull. The moment that you speak, that animal knows now that there's an elk within a certain distance. And if there were an area where they can see and you don't have a tight setup, that animal's going to stop and look and expect Hang to up. see. And, and you're, you've just messed everything up. Now, we ended up, Luis and I, with a little bit different situation that we had a conversation about. And that was because I was in shooter, which... It's real odd for me to have somebody calling for me in the first place. So I'm, I'm in shooting position. Luis is back behind me doing a call, and he's doing such a good job that he's actually taken the elk out of my shooting range because <laughs> he's down on the side of a ridge, and the bull is in front of me on the ridge, and the bull is actually going over the ridge to go towards Luis, and so I'm actually losing the opportunity because Luis was doing a great job of calling. So at that point, I actually had to make a decision now because it's either he's walking off or I'm going to create an opportunity, and I had to turn and call in the different direction to try to stop that bull and bring him back my way. I had to use solo tactics when I did that, though, in order to try to make that happen. And I, I think as partners, you'll start, if you hunt a lot together, you start to understand those thought processes and what's happening. And, and that's all that takes. That's just part of the skill set there. So mm -hmm. 
that, that's a two. And, and to and to some of that, Joe. I mean, my my quick three things um, as an answer to that question, where you know that that first communication, uh, two, be selfless, and then three, make it about friendship and memories and at that relationship with, with your hunting brothers. Right. Look, if you're hunting with me, you. you you had better get in a position and kill that critter because if you don't, I'm going to kill it. <laughs> True story. True story. Yeah. Not, not only that, you know, Elk, Joe's such a an awesome coach, and, and I've played sports my whole life, and whether it be my boss at work or whether it be, you know, my wife or even Joe as a coach, I don't want to let him down. You know, we work extremely hard in some really tough areas to do what we do. And when you get an opportunity, man, you got to seal the deal. And, you know, I pride myself on that, fellas. I mean, you know, I shoot a lot. I say I shoot a lot. I'm a pretty good archer. I still got pretty decent eyes for as old as I am. Uh, And I've always said if I can get within 80 yards of an elk, he's in serious trouble if I can get my bow drawn back, right, and see through my peep. Uh, but even, and, and look, I've been practicing without the peak now, so, uh, you know, so we have that failure mechanism under control, but, uh, you just want to do so well for your caller that's calling for you. You know, I, I called for a few days for Brendan and man, we had so many encounters and a couple of really good opportunities. And, you know, I've called some, I've called a bull in for, for uh, Joe and for Chav and it is, there's nothing like calling a bull in for one of your buddies, you know, or a family member or anything like that. It's just, there's nothing like it. I, I could kill a thousand bulls that are 350, 380. That'll never that'll never make me feel as good as the one I called in for whomever, you know? And, you know, I, I, I want to make sure, too, that I, I wasn't trying to be counter to what Luis was saying, and I want you to understand what I'm saying here, because having coached a lot of athletes in team sports, I've had kids that had their shot and in a basketball game, and they wouldn't take it because right. they wanted to kick the ball to somebody right. else. Right, and right. To, they were unselfish to the point of – it affected the yeah. ability the, the team performance yeah yeah correct yeah, yeah. Makes and, sense. and that's where i'm saying is that there's a fine line there though joe yeah, yeah. absolutely talked about too a- absolutely there is and 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 that's what i'm trying to say though is you know that's like i tell these guys look that bull if that bull comes into your shooting range uh, our goal as a team to put that animal down. If yeah. you have that responsible, good shot, you do that. Yeah, but that's where the you combine that with the communication yeah. part. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But but I've seen guys that when I and that's the hard part about sometimes having two shooters up is that one shooter go oh I th- he might have the better shot and then they never shoot because they're like assuming they might get a better shot you know so they passed on their good shot and that that's where the animal ends up walking off with nobody getting a shot. So, uh, again, the point is, if you have you have that shot, that is your shot. It is a good, solid shot that you can put it down. Then you take it's your that. responsibility as a team member to take it. Absolutely. Yeah. It's actually a selfless act because, yeah, sure. believe it or not, to, to say, well, i got to do this so that my friend doesn't get mad at me, that's, that's almost – it's almost <laughs> anti – you know, yeah. it yeah. really is. So yeah. you've got to, you know, we have to understand together what our goal is and get that goal accomplished as a team. So mm-hmm. I, I knew exactly what Luis was saying. Uh, 
but I, but I can tell you this, man, that, you know, as a caller, I bring people, I bring elk into people all the time. My goal is always for people around me to get an animal. Um, but if I have a bow in my hand and that bull ends up getting in a position, you know, yeah. Yeah. now you can see on the video where I passed on a bull that probably, God, I had that spike at, I don't know, 27, 28 yards. Uh, it's hard to tell in the video because videos make things look a little more, you know. Farther away. Yeah. yeah. But there wasn't the shot. I didn't have the right angle. I didn't have I didn't have that clear shot. Because I tell you, if I'd have had it for a second, I'd have taken it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. one second. Yeah. So that wasn't one that I was going to take, you know. Mm -hmm. I remember one time in one of the first hunt, uh, we were going uh, uh, for short opportunity, and then we would start counting, hey, I had a short opportunity, and then Luis go, I had a short opportunity too, and then and then I would go, okay, next next one is your shot, and then all of a sudden, go, uh, Joe's go, look. Forget that thing. <laughs> if, if, if you have an opportunity, kill that thing. It's an order. <laughs> Enough of that crap, guys. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and, and one of the good things about the flying bee that Joe's uh, always... The flying bee, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's... There is no uh, dispute with, with the, who's going to take the shot. If the if an elk is coming left side, it's gonna be your shot, and 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 that would be a good piece of advice if you are hunting with a partner and have the ability to have a, a caller uh, for you in that particular hunt. Yeah. yeah, but I've seen guys in the flying V have a bull come straight down the middle. Down the middle. And that happened shoot. to me and Brent. So then yeah. go yeah. ahead, Luis, and take that damn shot. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like Brenda said, don't hold your hand, don't hold your rangefinder in your hand or anything else in your hand. Right? <laughs> oh, I don't have. So next, I don't uh, have a, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. Go I ahead said, all I was going to say is I don't have the opportunity very often to hunt with a partner. I, I pretty much solo hunt, but what I've learned when I do is to have confidence in your setup. Yeah. You know. Um, you know. If you have got that bull coming in, you know, stick with the setup. If you got to adjust it, you got to adjust it. But um, for it's, you know, it, we learned this year really, especially that it works. It, it'll work if we just have faith in it. So, Chav, you've been my partner for 38 seasons, man, mm. out there. Yep. What advice well, would you give for somebody to hunting with a partner? Well, uh, when he says uh, get in position, <laughs> get yeah. in position quick and make sure you have shooting lanes. Uh, uh, you guys didn't have the the uh, pleasure of hunting with Joe when, at his prime. Uh, you know, zeros aren't really good right now, but he can still hear the uh, the final pitch of a bugle. But uh, when he was younger... And for some of us, that's actually a good thing. <laughs> good. Hell yeah. You're <laughs> 10, 10 miles away, son. <laughs> From 10 miles a day to about 25. <laughs> but in his younger days, I swear he can hear him walking. He'd say, he's coming on the left side. Get ready. And if you wasted your time, you messed up. You know, and back then also... That's where I learned, get in front of the bush, not behind it. You're not going to be able to draw. So, you know, 
get down quick, make sure you have shooting lanes, and, and be ready. Be ready to draw. Yeah, that's the thing. Do not take your time, man. When somebody says get set up and they point, get there and get there like right now because things, you do not know how quick things can happen. And yeah, I've heard I, I pretty much sprinted down the hill this year to get to where <laughs> I needed yeah. to be. And, and wondering if I'll bust my tail. And, and I've heard people uh, say I, I, it just happened so fast. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you, you got to. Yeah, Madonna was a cameraman on that deal. It happened so fast; he hardly didn't get down there with me. I mean, they cover they go they cover ground quick. Yeah. yeah. So next up, no matter how much e scouting a person does, no matter what, once you get boots on the ground, it's like, where in the heck do I start? So with that, what would be our best advice to someone in that situation? Now, um, I'm going to go to somebody that uh, knows a little bit about elk, and he's got a little bit different way of talking about this. So here you go. Hey, everybody. Chris Roro, Hunting Resources. All right. Well, I am down in one of our river bottoms checking this camera. Again, double ladder stand there. We have a sanctuary up there, and we have a sanctuary area back here. This is a pass-through area, and what I want to do is see on this camera who, what bucks survived the rifle season. And you'll hear people talk all the time about sanctuary areas and sanctuary management when it comes to whitetails. But do not overlook the fact that for elk, sanctuary areas are critical as well. So if I'm scouting a new area looking for uh, places to hunt, one of the most important things for me to identify is where those potential sanctuary areas are. Now, here's the tip. Do not overlook the fact that some sanctuary areas might be right behind the trailhead or the road. How many times we try to tell people, man, that you find those elk, a lot of times you go right by them, you know. Yeah. And and Chris is actually out there in the field checking cams right there, had a little That's bit of wind. So uh, that was pretty cool he was able to find time to get that out here. But, you know, if you – and what what would we consider – what would we call those sanctuary areas? Yeah, bedroom, dark timber areas. Dark timber, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and depending on the time of year, now the the, the – you know, as you get later in the year, those bulls are going to go someplace where nobody, where they don't want to be found. They don't, right. you know, they're like an old old guy with uh, in a bad mood. They don't want to be around anybody. They don't want to see anybody. They want to recover. They just need food, some water, and some, you know, good thick trees. And they get someplace where nobody's going to find them. That's that's a sanctuary. Um, and we have sanctuaries in a sense during um, during the September hunt. They're definitely happening in those later seasons now. As you get out of October towards December, out there, late November, December, they come out of those sanctuaries because they got to eat, right? Slaves to their belly, Joe. Yep. So, and I, I tell guys, look, when you get there and you look at that big old area and you've done your e-scout and you're like, where? And I mean, things get big, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. Things get big. So, so mm -hmm. let's ask Ken. Ken. You just went from Maryland out there, man. When you stepped out, <laughs> what was on yeah. your mind? Yeah, the, the, it was it was a. I wasn't even close as far as what I what I thought was going to happen. You know, I, I a thousand feet to me thought. You know, I'm thinking eh, that's not too bad. I can get up that. Well, yeah, I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and even yeah, that uh, there was th those 
the, the uh, elk I seen were about 850 yards from me, and there was no way I was getting to them with the amount of light that I had. In Maryland, I could, I could get 850 yards pretty quick. Not there. I mean, uh, even the even the uh, I did a bunch of e scouting before I before I went out and it, convert it to, to, you, they you, you convert them to meters and they become less. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I had some fields that I wanted. I thought would be good to set up on, and they were. They were just they, they were out of my reach, quite honestly, till 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 I got there and realized what I was dealing with. So yeah, it, it's a big difference for me scouting. I, Con- now I have an understanding. Contour lines lie. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I found that out the hard way. <laughs> yeah, those topo maps. You better pay real good attention when them when those areas are real close together. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they get as close as they really are. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, it's you know, if you get some of the old contour maps, you can probably get a better gauge of that. I mean, actual paper maps. But mm-hmm. you know, I'm telling you, when you start looking at contour lines on, on a base map, Onyx, and all those, it might look like it's it's fairly flat going through an area, and it changes real quick once you start yeah. putting the feet on the ground. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. But the I, I the thing I tell people is is trust in exactly what you learned when you did your e-scouting now ken makes a great point in that well i i found those fields but i couldn't get to them you know physically they were difficult for him um so that's something to think about there you know is not just okay there's a field or there's water or there's uh a north face or you know can I get to those things? You got to look at the area between where you are and where you want to be, and you got to understand how to get there. And I'll tell a lot of people that if you will learn how to run ridges, and what I mean by that, each ridge ridges are steeper on the sides, and there's points where they come down that they're a lot easier to traverse moving up. And I will also tell you this: anytime that you're working in country like that, find the elk trails. The elk know the best routes through the hills. They know the easiest way to get through them and the fastest way to get from one area to the other. Elk trails, they are the masters. They live there. It's their home. Learn to use their hallways when you do that. But I, I think the biggest thing is is I had a friend that said that, you know, he had the same problem. He got there and it was like, oh, my God, where do I start? Well, if you trust into those things that you learned about knowing where feed is, knowing where the water is, right, mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if you pay attention to where those bedding areas are and those, and those, you know, those uh, travel routes between from one to the other, if you just slow down and just don't take it all in because all of that area is not where the elk are, think about where the elk are, where they're going to be. And then go ahead and have faith in that. Move into those areas. Find sign. If you don't find sign, then get the heck out of there and go find another spot. Okay, but it's going to be big, but it's kind of like it's kind of like when you go into your kitchen, you can go into your kitchen and you go, man, I'm hungry. And you can start looking through every cabinet, find pots, find pans, find dishes, find fork, find silverware. Or, you know, what that big old thing looks like that has the food inside of it and you go to it. So you ain't got to take in everything, man. You ain't I'm gotta... a master on it. Yes, he is. Yeah. You you know, have faith that you know what those food areas look like, what those water areas look like, what those bedding areas look like, and trust in yourself and go to them. All right? 
and that would be the best advice as far as that, as far as that goes. Well, let's listen to some grinder shout outs here. Hi, I'm Scott Baker, and this is my daughter. Hi, I'm Lola. And we're from Parker, Colorado. And we just want to congratulate the Elk Bros on 100 episodes, and we can't wait to listen and watch the next 100 episodes. Hey, guys, this is uh, Clint Cornell from upstate New York. Wanted to say thank you and welcome to the 100th episode of Elk Bros. Hello, my name is Joseph Grostet. I am from Albuquerque, New Mexico. I'd just like to say a special thanks to the guys at Elk Bros for always using my artwork on their Instagram stories. I just have one question for all those hunters out there. Is it September yet? Hi there, this is Matt from Heiko, Texas. I wanted to give a shout out to the Elk Bros podcast. Earlier in 2020, I found out my cousin and I drew uh, limited entry archery elk tags in uh, northern New Mexico and I was scouring the internet trying to find any sort of advice I could to help me utilize this tag and with the help of the stuff I learned from the Elk Bros on their podcast my uh, cousin and I capitalized on two nice six point bulls so thank you guys way cool huh cool what man those guys are part of the 10% Joe absolutely yeah absolutely and I thought it was perfect going into this because in this section you know, we always talk about how all of this is about our journey. It's about the trip along the way as an elk hunter. And so I went out there, and, and, and the question is, what advice we would have for folks about that journey? And this guy, I tell you, man, um, I have so much respect for Guy over at Western Contours and Chad um, two great guys uh, in in our elk hunting community, Chad over at uh, um, Backcountry Rookies, and, and we're going to let them give their advice first of all. Hey, everybody, Guy with Western Contours Podcast. When it comes to your journey as an elk hunter, remember that luck is the residue of hard work, so grind it out. Listen, watch, read, sweat. Shoot your weapon often in the off-season. Blow those calls year-round. Drive your loved ones, your neighbors crazy. Be ready to work on the mountain and embrace every failure as a successful lesson and never stop learning. And when everything comes together, luck won't be able to take any of the credit. Big shout out to the Elk Bros on hitting that 100th pant-free episode. You boys, we love everything you're doing. Keep climbing. Take care. Hey guys, Chad here from Backcountry Rookies. I wanted to take the opportunity to tell you something that I've learned from the Elk Bros. And that is take advantage of the opportunities that are given to us to be prepared it's late December, all the seasons are over, right? And we're, we're not really thinking about elk hunting preparation. We're thinking more about snacking on cookies and Christmas presents. But when I have opportunities like this and I have sunrises like this in New Mexico, I do not hesitate to get out, go for a run, find a hike to do and take advantage of the opportunity. It's absolutely important to stay ready for the entire year and be ready when September comes. Thanks, Elk Bros. Thanks, Chad. Way cool. Very nice. Dude, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I, 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 don't know, I don't know that I have much to add to that, but anybody else? I was going to say, don't ever stop learning. And uh, as uh, our master sensei, Chaff, would say, stop and take time <laughs> to smell the roses. Enjoy That's the ride sure. because it's a beautiful yeah. one. Yeah, don't count the days. Make the days count. That's right. Amen. Yeah. Absolutely, man. Yeah. And, you know, Mike, you, you've been on a journey. Ken, you've been on a journey. Um, Ken, your your journey's been a 30-some-year journey, man, right? 
Yeah, it has. Uh, but you know, it's it's beginning. I'm gonna I'm gonna make everything I can out of it from here on out. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, we have a we have you heard from him earlier, Mike Wilson up in Ogden, Utah, up there, and uh, uh, Mike just started at at 58, just started elk hunting, and um, it, his passion uh, and determination. What, yeah, it, it's just it's so cool to so cool to see that. And I credit a lot of that to uh, the guys that I'm involved with right here, the guys that I have, um, all of us together right now, is that the reason we do this is because of the passion that we have for being out there and uh, chasing this incredible animal and for the friendships and the camaraderie and the times. And, you know, uh, I, I hope people see that when they see our video. They, they I hope they get a feel for that and all of our, you know, uh, funny times that we have antics. and all the we yeah. do, all of our antics. Yeah, you know, um, I, I know that Chav there um, made a, a two-hour trip and froze his butt off just so he could have, you know, right, yeah. bud? <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> One of the coldest nights he's ever spent on the coldest mountain. Night. <laughs> yeah. He was froze, man. He was like a popsicle chav. Yeah. yeah. It was worth it. It was worth it. Uh, man, it great you know, for you. me, it was, it was like so cool to have chav on the mountain with us, Manano, and I got to, you know, take him up and, and get out in the middle of a, Nice clear cut and listen to the bulls bugle, man. And you know, actually, got to see an elk, yeah. And got to see elk. I mean, it was uh, completed, he completed the brotherhood, yeah. Coup de gras, icing on the cake, however you want to lift it. Our our 2020 elk season was complete, man. We had our you know, one of my mentors, and you know, we call him the ninja and sensei. I mean, serious business, guys. An amazing elk hunter, but even better person. You guys, man, if y'all get to do this with a group like we do, you count every day as a blessing because I'm telling you, man, people are what's more important, you know, Absolutely. and the people in your life are what's more important. And, uh, right. you know, I, I ride the river with every day with these guys. I tell people all the time I'd fight hell with a water pistol back to back with each one of them. And, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart, you know. Um, I think if you, if I could say anything to everybody that, you know, for me, it was never about killing a elk. I mean, it was about killing the elk mission accomplished. Now, every time I step in the woods, Joe, it's about a elk. So, uh, we don't get picky any longer. And I look, I ain't killed giant bulls. I've killed some good ones. Uh, but I mean, it is really about, I can't wait for that first day to, I mean, I was so overzealous this year. I tried to leave a day early. And uh, so, I, I mean, I can't <laughs> wait for that first day to get out of here and get on the road. I mean, it's a 13-hour trek for me, you know, to get to, to where we're elk hunting. And I'm telling you, I, you know, we're counting the days, the hours, the minutes uh, right now. So, it's going to be an epic 2021, I promise you. Uh, but I would just say you guys soak it all up, man, and find some guys that you like to ride the river with if you can. Um, and That's man, pretty get, important. 
yeah, get your family involved, man. You like, you know, Mr. Mr. Bozarth has done. And uh, even Mr. Sutton, his wife is so cool to be involved with him on his traveling companion. I mean, that's big, man. And it, it yes. solidifies relationships that you make memories that last for a lifetime. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Well said, brother. Well said. Brandon, you got anything you want to add, brother? I think I might have lost one of my AirPods. Here. <laughs> we, 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 can still, we can still hear you, brother. Go ahead, and carry on. I think we may have we may have talked longer than their battery life, but <laughs> I, I just didn't. You know, I'm thrilled that you guys had me in the group. Um, I was in there for one year and and lost it for several and couldn't wait to get back in. And uh, I'm just so thrilled that y'all have welcomed me in and. Um, I'm learning more every time I come up there every single day of, you know, obviously I've made a few mistakes and learning from them and, and trying to, uh, to get myself better and, and hopefully, you know, this year's the year. Cause yeah. me, and Chav said, me and Chav are due, right, Chav? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we are. Absolutely. Well, we'll finish up but with some shout outs and we'll close it out. Gilbert. Sounds good, brother. Let's hear some more. Hi, this is Dom Primley from Northern Minnesota. Coach, congratulations on your 100th podcast. I'm really proud of you guys supporting Chav. Chav, you're my hero and a champion. God bless you, bro. Keep fighting. Hello, this is Rich Strait from Lincoln, Nebraska. And to all you grinders out there, yeah! And uh, we hope that you have a great Christmas. And congratulations to the Elk Bros for 100 episodes of the Blue Collar Elk Hunting. My name is Scott Winter. And this here is Piper. We live in Bend, a city that sits on the Deschutes River, where the Cascade Mountains meet the high desert here in Central Oregon. Hey, this is Alan Jackson from Manitow Beach, Michigan. Uh, got her done in Weldon, Colorado this year with the help of the Elk Bros. Thank you, guys. Appreciate everything. This is Kayvon Variani from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, just want to make a shout out to you guys on your 100th episode. I hope you guys are on for another 900. Hell yeah, Elk Bros! <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, boy. That's way to close it out, Joe. Enough said. Mic no, drop. No. We out. Yeah. Mic drop. We're out of here, man. Yeah, man. Hey, guys, uh, Ken, Mike, thanks so much. And uh, Brandon, thanks for, thanks for being me. here. Uh, thanks. Anytime. Yeah, I'd like to say thanks to you guys. I mean, you, you really you made my you made my trip easier this year just with what you're teaching, you know, with the elk camp. And and uh, I, I just appreciate it. Congratulations on the 100 episodes. Looking forward to more. Look, guys, we're accessible, man. You know, y'all need – I'm getting emails daily from people, but if y'all need something from us, y'all reach out to us, man. Joe, myself, Luis, Manano, uh, even Brandon. I mean, we're all in this together, and whatever we can help you guys with, I mean, that's what we're here for. We can't we can't do this without y'all. Uh, we're here because of y'all. Uh, we, like I said, we started something that, uh-oh, the Venezuelan mafia is going to roll with it like thunder. You hear me, dog? I mean, y'all feel me? You know what I'm saying? So this is what uh, – this is what's coming down the pike. We can't stop it. You know, uh, if you like what we're doing, oh, Before guys, you finish, man, just one thing I right. want to say. Sure. Uh, if any of you, well, first of all, this week, take a look on Instagram and all of our uh, contests going on, our giveaways, all right? Those are happening. There's one that we started yesterday. 
with our mafia. So you got to see what boats, that is. Boats are coming in, Joe. I just got to say that. Both those need to be counted. <laughs> and okay. if you have any questions for me, I would love to answer them. So just send them to chav at elkbros.com. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to thank you guys for, for having me on. It's been a great honor. Um, you know, I really respect what you guys are doing. You guys are, I just love how, how you guys created this cast of characters and characters you are, man. And, and, uh, I really, really appreciate you having me on. My it's been been hours. Been our pleasure. Merry Great Christmas. having both of you guys. Everybody. You've been, yeah, right? You've yeah, been. Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas everybody. You bet. Guys, if you like what we're doing, please subscribe, rate, and review. You got to go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes to review us, and you can check out more elk hunting content at elkbros.com. And just a reminder, if any of our listeners would like their questions answered on our show, just send your questions to info at elkbros.com. That's info at elkbros.com. Guys, we will see you guys in the new year, but I would be remiss not to throw you out of here with a big Texas we love y'all. Husbands, kiss your wives. Wives, kiss your husbands. Hug your babies. Keep your broad head sharp and your powder dry. And we'll see you next week right here on Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Peace, peace. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy Christmas. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Tune in to West Marine's Life on the Water, presented by Costa Custom Boats, every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. You'd think, with four of us spread out on a tiny island, that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing. But, as I've learned, no matter where I've been, whitetails can be damn tricky. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.